0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hit us on the ACNZ app.
1: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From
2: behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you, and uh, on behalf of Brant, your local John Deere equipment supplier, we welcome you to the show for the next three hours, uh, and uh, it is a busy show as well. <clears throat> we'll have a sermon very shortly, uh, and then we'll talk to Andrew Mertens, the all-black uh, great, of course, he's uh, out of France these days, what's he doing over there, we'll ask him that as well, uh, but principally we're going to ask him about the Stave Rennie, Eddie Jones situation, from his perspective, of course, he's been a long-time commentator, over there on their international rugby. Uh, We've uh, been talking also to, uh, after the 10 o'clock news, uh, BJ Watling. BJ, of course, is now, of course, the Wellington Firebirds white ball coach. How's he feeling about the season? How's he trucking along? Does he love the coaching role? Uh, Is that the direction he's going to head? Uh, The panel this morning will be with uh, Guy Havelt and Sam Ackerman. There'll be some good league questions in there for Sammy in particular. Uh, and then, of course, we'll be uh, focusing on the NFL after eleven o'clock. There's a massive game today uh, with the Bucks up against the Cowboys. It's all over uh, American television this morning. It's a huge playoff game. Jared Cronin, uh, SENFL NFL pundit from uh, our Sydney OB Two, uh, will be looking uh, at that for us on uh, on our behalf. That should be fantastic. And if you don't understand what OB Two is, um, I'll get um, Logan Swinkles to talk to you all about that a little bit later in the show as well. I will have a chat to Louis, of course, because he's back uh, just before 11 o'clock. We'll get to an update from the TAB on some Australian Open results and odds and the NFL odds as well, that big match this afternoon. Let's get stuck in, eh?
4: Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's sermon.
3: Well, is it as simple as this? Would Australia have sacked Dave Rennie if England hadn't sacked Eddie Jones. Will we ever know the answer to that? I mean, behind the scenes, where are there moves already afoot. Uh, it's fair, isn't it, that far removed from what New Zealand rugby we were contemplating over here just months ago, the same thing has happened in Australia, except they've pushed the go button and Oz, we pushed the stay option. Was it Dave Rennie's fault he never seemed to have a fit and available top combination? Was it Dave Rennie's fault Bernard Foley couldn't kick the ball out in time? It would have been a crucial Wallaby win, and we know how obsessed they are with their inability to match the All Blacks under any coach. Was it Dave Rennie's fault? His inspirational leader, Michael Hooper, stepped away from the game, leaving him a huge gap. Okay, Australia currently sits sixth in the world rankings, a breath ahead of Scotland and Argentina. And that for their board was obviously untenable. England sit a notch above them at fifth, and that clearly is below their station as well because it was goodbye to Eddie hello Steve Borthwick one of their very own interest now that from positions two to seven all nations are actually now coached by one of their own and in this revolting door policy of the coaching world isn't that quite astonishing and in a period of time so near to a world cup in any sport has there been more volatility in the head coaching role Dave Rennie will easily get another high profile coaching role Hell, he got sacked yesterday, He'd probably even have one today. He's that good, he should. And who would bet against him being at the World Cup anyway in some role for some country? Not I. Was it a sure wager that it's going to be so much more fun though, beating the Wallabies with little Eddie at the helm? He's just that kind of guy. Come on over Eddie, give it your best shot, Eden Park is waiting for you. Right, it's 9.07 here in SENZ, in NZ, and of course uh, in France. It's a totally different time. Calleray Teal, Andrew Mertens, good morning to you.
5: Bonjour, Smithy, It's 9h uh, du soir, so uh, exactly 12 hours behind you, and uh, very late for me, of course, this time of night.
3: Unbelievable, of course, yeah, you're uh, well and truly, um, counting Z's by this uh, hour of the, yeah, absolutely, we all know that, the whole world well, knows it that It wasn't last night,
6: because the
5: phone was going, The phone was binging away last night, around about the time that, uh, that all this stuff was, was teeing off in Australia, what an extraordinary turn of events, isn't it? Did you see it coming? No, not at all no, no, I mean, if there were mutterings in, in some circles of Australian rugby, not broadly, but some mutterings about their percentage winning and stuff like that. But you would have thought pretty smartly after a, a Northern tour like that, they'd have a review and put everything to bed. And if there's going to be change there, then, then that's when it happens. But no, I didn't. I thought um, a large part of the rugby community was well behind Dave Rennie. And I think the players have been as well. And I think there's an acknowledgement that he had a, a hell of a, Tough road to hoe this year or last. Sorry, last year with uh, with the amount of injuries and and the the um, intensity of the program that the Wallabies had. And to be honest, I I'd seen big strides. I thought in, in terms of the group and the depth in the group and just a bit of hardness and some players developing really well. And I thought they were pretty well placed. It's not to say it's going to go disastrously now, but I was just yeah just shocked when uh, when I saw that uh, that Dave Rennie was getting, and it doesn't seem to be. A, you know, a really good process by the looks of it. I mean, there's all sorts of um, speculation going on and stories coming out about, um, you know, clandestine meetings and, and sort of backroom deals and stuff like that, which is, if it's the case, it's extraordinary um, when, when you've got a, a board and, and Australia's huge on their, their governance and stuff in, in every uh, field, not just rugby, of course, and not just sport. But, you know, to, to have this sort of a thing happen, which seems like it's been concocted by two or three blokes over the last several months. It's just, uh, it's just amazing.
3: Well, it is interesting too when you read the comments of those uh, in The Power of, uh, of Australian Rugby. Andy Marinos was pretty polite in his comments, uh, praising Dave Rennie for building an ethic, for building depth and uh, a squad that was often depleted. Hamish McLennan, of course, the chairman has come out and said this is a major coup for Australia rugby to have the best coach in the world return home to coach the iconic Wallabies and to oversee the Wallaroos programme. So, differing thoughts there.
5: Yeah, and well, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to... Um criticized the decision in terms of Eddie because he's a vastly experienced coach and, you know, he's shown in the past he's had some unbelievable results with, with a lot of teams, not least of all the improvement that he had in Japan and certain performances that the English team have had under Eddie. However, that's that, that sort of last point about England is, is one thing that I'd, I'd, I'd maybe say, well, it hasn't been such a, a wonderful thing on his CV with the resources that he's had available over there and, and, and the players and everything at his disposal they've still been very very inconsistent and you can see them you know going from that 2019 semi-final performance against the all blacks to their sort of insipid performances in in six nations it's hard to kind of reconcile but anyway like i say he's a vastly experienced coach he's passionate about australian rugby i'm not so much i don't have much so much a problem with with eddie being appointed it's just the the, the, you know the um, punting of, of Dave Rennie is just I just think ridiculous he he was really pragmatic I think he was exactly what the Wallabies um, were needing and and I think they really were about to flourish under him and, and like I say they had all those injuries last year uh, you know probably 19 or 20 I think they counted up at one point mm. who were out and we've known for a long time there's no depth Really, an Australian rugby, and he's been trying hard to build some depth at an international level with what he's getting presented from a, a very shallow pool of talent in, in super rugby as well. So, you know, I don't think he could have achieved any more than what he actually did. The, the Italy game in that Northern Tour wasn't helpful for him. But again, it was with a lot of young players that he was blooding. And, you know, at some point, players have got to take the responsibility rather than the coach. But, you know, they bounced back and they came back in that game against Wales in their last game of the Tour. They beat Scotland. They went so close to the top two teams in the world, Ireland and France. And, of course, in the rugby championship you know they they did really well against the All Blacks and and the box won all against the box and you know a few minutes um, referees minutes off uh, off winning in Melbourne against the All Blacks too so I thought he'd, he'd done pretty bloody well. The,
3: the interesting thing was out of the blue a, a couple of weeks ago I, I think it was about then Dave Rennie said uh, he had no interest in working uh, alongside Eddie Jones. I just wonder if at one point, uh, someone from the board had said to him, "Would you consider that? Um, you know, could you do a dual coaching role heading into um, this current World Cup? Do you think that might have been a possibility?"
5: Oh, absolutely. When you start reading stories that there are meetings going on ever ever since England was out playing Australia in that test series, then there's every possibility that that might have been a, a finely laid sort of a trap for Dave Rennie. Um, I don't know how much contact he has with many of the the hierarchy in Australian rugby. I mean, we see a lot, obviously, of Hamish McClendon, the chairman, um, a little bit less of Andy Marinos, the CEO. I mean, uh, you know, McLennan is pretty dominant with his views and, you know, it may well have been him sort of canvassing Dave Rennie's opinion. Oh, look, I'm speculating here, so don't... <laughs> it's certainly not gospel. Mm. Far from gospel anything that comes out of my mouth, but, uh, you know, you, you could potentially see McLennan saying to Rennie, would you work with him? Would you work together with with Eddie Jones may be in a director of rugby or director of coaching role. And, and if he did say, well, no, I wouldn't, then, you know, it's a bit of a black mark against his name, unfortunately. Then again, he's just come out of a situation where they had Scott Johnson in as director of coaching. Now, that was fairly widely panned and he got um, eventually shifted out of there too. So, you know, it's not something that head coach wants to have, is have a director of coaching above him. So if that was the case, I'd quite understand Wren's not wanting to do that. I find
3: it uh, also... Uh, quite interesting uh, when you you uh, you also um, consider the fact that uh, as you pointed out he hardly had uh, his full-length uh, full-time players uh, alongside him and he had to go without uh, Michael Hooper during that crucial time as well as his long time time captain I mean uh, that must have been a gaping hole in terms of leadership he gave it to James slipper but not the same guy
5: no absolutely not they've you know they, they did not uh, not struggle this year, but they did miss Michael Hooper for, you know, his on-field exploits as well as, like you say, just lifting lifting the rest of the team and leading by example. And, um, you know, they, they did need some other players to put their hand up. And I think cr- across the season, more and more players did get into that sort of position of responsibility, position of leadership. And I, I genuinely thought, and they may still be, that they were, you know, a really good under-the-radar threat For world cup in eight months time you know everybody's looking at france and ireland as the top ranked teams all blacks of course get a lot of scrutiny that south africans are world champions at the moment england obviously people always talk about so australia was a it was a it still is a, a good situation for them to sneak in under the radar and just go about their preparation and come in without all the all the um noise and all the fireworks going off and and get a good result in the world cup so you know i hope for their sake and for antipode and rugby that they can still
3: uh, the interesting thing too is the appointment for eddie jones is uh till 2027 which basically gives him five mm. years i mean but what's a what's a, a head coach's contract worth these days anyway to be fair
5: <laughs> i don't know you'd, you'd want to write in a good severance package wouldn't you um mm. uh, look i think i don't know i mean I, th- I think there'll be reviews throughout that there's a lot there are a lot of breakpoints there in that i mean 2025 the lions come out to australia so you know there's potentially a review that they could have at that point two years out from the world cup i just i mean just the whole thing doesn't to me look like it was um a, a really stringent or, or really solid process and like i say that's You know, it's the question to ask of the governance of Australian rugby. What sort of process was followed to to, to essentially, you know, culminate in this coup? Um, You know, then again, New Zealand rugby, we're not probably, we can't talk to anyone about process really the way we've gone (laughs) about things the last couple of appointments too. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's just amazing that that's all happened. And without any kind of um, real um, process of looking, you know, getting applications and stuff in like this, and and suddenly one guy emerges who's got a a five-year contract. So, yeah, it all seems a little bit uh, backroom and and political-ish, but uh, you'd know better than I will in the cricket world, Smithy, and I realise you're you're leaving us to go back fully to that world, but is it like that over there in the cricket world, the Aussies? Well, look, uh,
3: I, I, I... About that, and I try to compare it to Justin Langer. Justin Langer was uh, sick when Australia were playing some pretty damn good cricket. I mean, everything they asked mm. Justin Langer to do, Aust- Australia cricket, he came up. He cleaned up a mess, uh, he, he put uh, strong leadership back into the group, uh, he had to overcome uh, his uh, captain getting into some uh, trouble, Tim Payne, his, his appointed captain. He had to go overcome that, appointed Pat Cummins. Uh, everything seemed to be on track with Australian cricket, except the dressing room, apparently. So hmm. uh, he lost his gig. Now, uh, that brings the other interesting question here. Is is there player power in rugby to that extent that there is an Australian cricket?
5: Well, I, I don't think there would have been on this occasion because as, as far as I understood, the, the, the players are all pretty strongly behind Dave Rennie um, and, you know, right from the top. And, and I think Michael Hooper will be the first to kind of applaud the way he was uh, I think looked after this year um, when he needed it and so I, you know the the feeling the overwhelming feeling we got was that the players were battling away they were aware there was a, a lack of depth and that a whole you know there was a whole lot of work required to get a bigger group of players up to international standard and I think they've worked pretty hard on that and I think you know, I can only imagine that, you know, outside of the players that just, you know, Dave Rennie not wanting to play the political game, because I doubt he's much of a political creature, and I say that as a compliment, um, just wanting to roll his sleeves up and get to work on the rugby and, and not um, do, do all the po- political sort of manoeuvring in the background, that is maybe just is, is what's tripped him up now, so it's, it's not what it should be about. It should be, You're there to coach, you're there to look after the team, and I think if you take away results, if you don't look at the raw results, if you look at performance and, and improvement across the number of players that he's been blooding, um, I, I think he would have ticked a lot of boxes if you could sort of quantify them and put KPIs around them. So, you know, so Australia's loss is somebody else's gain. So who knows where, you know, it would be be interesting to see him perhaps turn up at a, at a developing nation, someone like a Georgia who at short notice could go... Um, This would be great to have have some New Zealand IP come in as well. And, you know, they're pretty motivated to do well at at World Cups now. They're putting a lot of effort and and money into it over there. So it'd be interesting to see them sort of one one of those kind of teams as well, just for this World Cup. Matt, you would
3: have seen, uh, of course, the comments from uh, Matt Gitto, um, uh, Tim Horan, um, and, of course, um, you know, others, uh, uh, Simon Portevoi, climbing in and saying, "Strap yourself in, fellas, uh, and get ready for the ride." Uh, Ghetto saying uh, they probably have got no idea what's about to hit them in terms of the players. <laughs> Do you think that kind of policy is going? The Eddie Jones theory is going to work with the Australians?
5: Well, we'll soon see. I mean, obviously, coaching over the years has has evolved a lot from a very you know highly prescriptive model. Um, through to, a, you know, player-driven sort of a model in, in terms of on the field, you know, where coaches are there to um, encourage and, and nurture the decision-making abilities of players to, to do their thing on the field um, if they get told what to do all week. Presumably, they won't be able to show as much initiative when it comes to the Saturday. So we'll see. I mean, I'm sure Eddie himself has evolved. Um, he had, you know, great success bringing the Japanese team up to speed, and and you know they were per- probably perfect at that stage for him because they drilled really well. You know, they're motivated to train for hours on the end and do exactly what they're told and and stuff like that. And that, and that was perfect for them. It really brought them up. Whether that's um, you know whether eddie's approach and we know he's very intense and he's incredibly passionate and never stops working and doesn't suffer fools, and that's a good thing a lot of the time um, but can be pretty caustic as well so you know we'll soon see whether these skins on these wallabies are thick enough to to handle potentially the barrage that they might get but um yeah i guess we'll see might, might make mugs of everyone criticizing him in, in eight months time
3: how do you think steve both will go with england
5: I think he'll be pretty good. I mean, I don't, uh, I haven't obviously taken as much interest in, in the English scene, but um, he's done very, very well at Leicester since since he came on as head coach there, and very, very well regarded, which is astounding when you think back at the days of the of locks. I mean, could you imagine back in the in the nineteen fifties or sixties, a, a really progressive. Uh, lock as a, as a coach. I mean, they're, they're probably mm. you know pounding on the tables a good thing. But um, yeah, that, so it's shown the evolution of the modern lock. And um, yeah, I think he's yeah very very well regarded, and he's obviously had a lot of tutelage under Eddie Jones in the last eight or nine years, I guess, to to see what's what's good and what isn't. And um, yeah, I think he'll be his own man. Um, but like I said, they've they've had some pretty um, rubbish results in Six Nations considering the talent that they have and the resources that they have so maybe a bit more consistency is is, is what they're looking for and I think they're pretty dangerous, England if, if they can get that consistency you know, they, they show it sporadically the, the domestic competition now, Smithy is, is fantastic over there the premiership along with the top 14 and the URC is some really, really skillful footy over there so the domestic level has come up in all of these Northern Hemisphere countries and it's, it's really driving it you know, a much better style, a much more dangerous um, style of, of rugby for the, the, the international side. So, yeah, I think yeah, both will be uh, really good for the English. And, you know, it's it's always after you've had a coach for a long period of time, you could put anyone in for a little bit and, and get a bit of clear air and, and a change of scenery and, and the players get enthused by that.
3: Mitch, you're a bit of a globetrotter. Uh, a lot of people uh, <laughs> texting in wanting to know, why France? What is Andrew Mertens doing in France all of a sudden?
5: Well, I mean, yeah, I didn't want to get here too late for the World Cup in September, Smithy, So um, it's off a bit of a, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a DK Lily kind of a run up, isn't it? It's a hell of a long run up. But um, well, I had I had six years uh, playing and doing a little bit of coaching over here, and um, always always planned at some point to come back and and give it another go. Um, Slightly different situation this time around, and I've got to say I'm I'm a happier person over here, and looking forward to the experience. So, um, just uh, just the opportunity, I guess, to get in and uh, reconnect with with, um, I guess, the French rugby system and stuff like that, and um, hopefully get some work around the World Cup. I was lucky enough last time to be in Japan on the one of the World Feed commentary crews, so I'm hoping to do mm-hmm. that role again, mm-hmm. come September. But uh, like I say, it's it's a long run, but it's pretty exciting. Everyone's pretty. Pretty fizzed about it here. Now they've got a, a few of the problems ironed out with their organization of the World Cup. So it's sort of full steam ahead and, and, and very exciting. And they're gonna, you know, go go all out to make it an incredible event after what we saw Japan host four years ago. You'll be able to have a beer with
3: John O'Gibbs now if you catch up with him.
5: Yes, well, I didn't get down the road to Clermont the other uh, the other day, but a couple of people I knew were doing the broadcast and we're catching up with uh, with Jono. I mean, I'm old enough to have played with his older brother as well, so yeah, I mean, plenty of Kiwis and Aussies plying and and Polynesians plying their trade over here as well. So, um, ha- caught up with a few of the racing boys a couple of months back actually in France, the and. I was chuffed to, to see a couple of them are still playing that I played with, Henri Chauvincy and Bernard LaRue. So it made me feel a little bit younger than 49, but uh, still, there are still a couple of guys that I played with knocking around. So, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like I say, the top 14 is a great competition. The domestic competitions over here. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting a bit closer to those, uh, to the action on those.
3: It's always great to catch up with you, um, uh, look after yourself, uh, no doubt you will be heavily involved in the World Cup, great to get your opinions on uh, poor old David Rennie, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again mate, uh, all the very best.
5: Smithy, great to catch up, sorry that you'll be uh, moving away from rugby, but if you do need a wingman in cricket, I am available, um, so let I me know. know, you've obviously done the cross-code thing, and if you can, then I guess anyone can surely.
3: <laughs> well, there you go, French cricket. Commentator, chief cricket, commentator for French cricket, Andrew Mertens.
5: Cheers, mate. Have a good
3: one. Good on you, boy. Uh, Andrew Mertens there uh, out of France for us, uh, good enough to to join the show. So uh, with his thoughts there and uh, his mainly about the process uh, as opposed to the men involved, he's uh, a little bit miffed about how this all went down. Uh, And hasn't that been something that's been scrutinised for a long period of time, uh, particularly in this country as well? The process. It's nine twenty-five here on SENZ.
1: Birds and agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in
2: your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in our This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: So, some interesting thoughts there from uh, Andrew Mertens, former All Black. Of course, uh, been stand sport commentator in Australia, so he has a finger on the pulse over there. But uh, absolutely uh, bamboozled by the process. Uh, Not really, uh, you know, getting stuck into uh, the qualities of either man involved uh, in terms of uh, Dave Rennie or Eddie Jones, but more the process and the fact that he had uh, never seen this coming and thought that Dave Rennie basically had been blindsided by this. And uh, who would know? So uh, we'd like your opinions on that, too. What do you you think of this process? We've seen it here in New Zealand. Of course, uh, Ian Foster survived it. Uh, Dave Rennie did not. Uh, 0800 150 is uh, our number here 0800 150 uh, We'll take your calls after the news here from Aroha
7: Talk back time with Smithy Call now 0800150811.
3: Yes, so eight hundred one five zero eight eleven is the number, and I really do feel at home now because uh, Dean from the called up. Dean, uh, I've missed you. So, uh, what have you got on your mind, mate?
8: Well, first of all, Smithy, all the best twenty twenty three. Welcome back. Well, if Rennie's been sharp, that I haven't heard that, but I probably did see it coming to be brutally honest, because that's how Aussies do things. But we need to sort of agree that um, we need to do the same thing here, like. Forster's record, mate. We're going to start the year. like we, we want to win this World Cup. And he's just... Everything he's doing is wrong. And he's got Ryan in there now that's starting to address a few things. His record is the worst we've ever had. Last year has to be the worst in all-black history. How the hell has he still got his job? No one else would have their position in New Zealand sport. What has he got over, whoever the powers that be that keep him there? Or is it razor saying I need one more season to get Matt Todd ready for the Crusaders to take over my position because he's a good bugger and he wouldn't leave them in a position of uncertainty with Ryan gone. We just need, why don't they tell us that Razor's signed up for 2024 and then we can sort of live a little bit happier in the rugby world, but we don't know. That's the thing. We just don't know.
3: Well, uh, the way I've uh, read it from overseas and a a lot of the headlines and the issues around that now are uh, Razor Robertson. I I just sort of assumed that that was the case. And so am I wrong in that, Dean?
8: Well, I don't know. No ones I I haven't read or heard that it's definite that he has signed something for 2024. I sure as hell hope he has because we can't in New Zealand rugby afford a man of his vision to leave. Like, I'd like to think maybe Tony Brown could be approached for because he does things different with the back line. But at the moment, I don't know. I don't, we don't know what we don't know, but at least Ryan is in there now and Smith will do a good job. But Foster's just seeing out his contract and he, he, everything he does is wrong. Like the backs are still a shambles and he's taking over the back line. That's the problem. The Fords are going good, but we still haven't got Smith at halfback, McKenzie at first five, Barrett at 12. I would have liked to have seen two here, but he got taken out. Barrett at 13 for me, and uh, Rico on one, the left wing where he should be. Severy Reese, the best defensive winger probably in New Zealand rugby history, on the right wing, and Will Jordan at fullback. And in the reserves, I just have Weber, Ambo, and Bowden, Barrett too. And I'll have as many impact forwards on the bench as I can possibly get. Because the backs, they all the, all those other guys that I've named, they can cover the other positions if there's an injury. So two's enough. And we have forwards, not Akira, not Hoskins. Jacobson, I'm really looking forward to seeing his super season because I think he can be the, the number eight. Artie put him back at seven. Sam Whitelock, captain. And the rest can just stay the same. Dalton really, really clipping at Artie's heels. He had a great end-of-year tour has to stay somewhere. But if Artie, Artie's just Artie, isn't he? Like he's, he is a goat of New Zealand rugby. Everything the man does, you've got to admire.
3: Well, uh, Dino, um, nice to, to hear from you, mate. Um, thank you very much for uh, your contribution there. And uh, Yeah, well, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, we know now that um, uh, Ian Foster is, is there. Um, and uh, we're just, uh, I think we are just fallen uh, behind because um, uh, we wanted to win um, I wanted to win anyway uh, I think most genuine rugby supporters around the country want them to win as well Dean thanks very much for your call uh, let's head to Michael from uh, the beautiful Tutakaka, Michael good morning to you
9: Happy New Year Smithy and uh, congratulations on uh, the new uh, um, pathways and challenges you've got coming ahead and um, you. you've done a Great service to sport in New Zealand, and I wish you all the best for the future and look forward to seeing you in the cricket. Um, I wanted to pick up on a point you made, um, or like uh, in the top, whatever, six coaches are now being back to um, being like naturalised citizens of their their countries that are coaching their teams. Do you think that that's just made it a lot harder? and, And we've come full circle, and it's made it a lot harder for the likes of say Razor or whoever to get a job with a tier one nation now because these tier one nations all seem to be going back to having locals doing the job because they understand the people and the culture and all of that
3: I think there's some of that there Michael I'm not quite sure whether it's just a coincidence or whether it's it's something that um that uh, rugby unions are starting to look a little bit more closely at and I tend to think that they might be I mean, Steve Borthwick is, is an accomplished coach, but he—you know—they're taking a punt. He hasn't coached anything like a, an England side at a World Cup. But he's an English former English player, and he's an Englishman through and through. Uh, if you read the comments uh, from uh, Hamish McLennan, who is the, the, the boss of Australian rugby, his was very much pro-Australian, pro having an Australian uh, back at the helm. Uh, he called him the greatest coach in the world, but he said he's our man because he's one of us. and you, you can you can kind of think, Michael, that uh, that is starting to be a, a little bit more part of the brief. Although, um, having said that, if you've got an absolute standout and you haven't got anyone within your country who be- you believe has got the credentials, you've got to go outside, don't you? Uh, but maybe well, it's a Well, I factor, mean, if, yeah. you
9: look, if you look at Razor, right, take him for as an example. I mean, the hot money, you know, all over um, with you guys last year talking to all the hosts, was that Razor was you know in line to get the England job? I'd say he came nowhere close to getting it. Right now, that that in itself you know tells a story, and and maybe you know unless he wants to go to a, and I don't think he you know they're going to say for example Japan's going to um, replace Joseph and Tony Brown with someone like Razor. So unless he goes to a USA or a Georgia, and these other countries are are sticking with their own. Kathleen Kin, like, where is he going to go? You know, like maybe the All Blacks is the only place, and that's where he will end up. And that's why the, you know, <laughs> do I say this? The Rugby Union might have played their cards really well on this, you know, as it's all panned out. Like, there's no doubt in my mind, um, Dave Winney'd still be coaching of Australia if Eddie hadn't got the arse out of the UK. Right? There's no doubt in my mind about that.
3: Would you stomach a, a non-New Zealander coaching the All Blacks, Michael?
9: No, I don't think this country would not not on any level. Because you look at you know you talking to Mertz 20 minutes ago. Look at the number of Kiwis that are overseas coaching in, in club competitions. I I think you know no, I don't think we're I don't I think we're I don't think we're ready for that. Would the Australians um, have a um, a non-Australian coaching their cricket team? I doubt it. Would no, bands get the job in Aussie cricket?
3: Well, if he knocks them over in the ashes uh, in England, God only knows. But at, at this point in time, you're dead right. They're Australian through and through when it comes to the cricket side of things. And uh, when they went for Langer, I don't think they ever, when they went for Langer's throat and got rid of him, though, no, I don't think at any stage they were contemplating anyone from, from overseas. Really good, po- really good point you raised, uh, Michael. Thanks for your call. Um, but it, it may well just be a fact that uh, people are starting to look for blood in terms of their own blood uh, at the helm of their of their teams might be a, an interesting point zade uh g'day zade uh happy new year to you mate
10: so happy new year um so are you um joining as a fo- fox to do the cricket is that what is that what happening
3: no no not at all i just had a, a six or seven week stint over there um out of the oh, blue okay. really it happened so um uh, from that point of view it was just a um a one-off mate so it was a lot of fun though
10: so will you not be doing any commentary at all now? Because you finished with Sky, so will you not be oh, doing no, any commentary well,
3: Okay, I, I won't be doing any, um, I don't think I'll be any doing any sporting commentary in New Zealand, no, because um, um, yeah. Spark um, ATV and TVNZ have got their own commentary teams. Um, I won't be doing any rugby. So um, and, and that was one of the reasons I, I made the decision, Eight is because that's what I want to do. I want to travel the world um and um and also uh, i i just i love commentating cricket mate you know there's one thing in so you, you love doing in your life slightly yeah. yeah i, I think so I, I, I think i i can see myself doing some, perhaps uh, some world cup work for the icc and uh, who knows uh, what else might turn up there's so much cricket on Zayda, so, you know you only have to pick up or go on stuff yeah. or, or go on a, a cricket website there's a game every day right, somewhere around the world um and most of them I, are on television that's really, the good um, news the,
10: I've been enjoying the big Bass lately. There's um there's a new fast bowler I think on the um another fast bowler that looks pretty good for Australia. Spencer Johnson for the Brisbane Heat okay. He's got some got some gas. Yeah, he looks real fast. But, I think he, he was up around one hundred and fifty, and I reckon he looks a bit like uh, Mitchell Johnson. Um, they've been saying on the commentary, but um, that <laughs> game was good last night. Maddie Matty, Matty Renshaw only just got the Brisbane Heat home. That's my um team obviously because Brendan McCullum joined them back in the day and I've been to the old game at the Gabba, so I've always enjoyed watching the heat. They're not the easiest watch, but um they're they're always they're always pretty exciting, you know, it's all always um six or out pretty much most of the team, but it's good um having Kawaja as the captain and um seeing Lobashane there as well, which is quite good. But I always enjoy watching the Big Bash, pretty much try and watch every game. So it's always on at a good time, quarter past nine or whatever it is. So it goes for a few hours, but I've been loving the big bash and on um, Dave Rennie while 38% winning record, you, you don't deserve to have the job with that record. So simple as he gets, he gets the boot and they've done the right thing. And um, yeah, give Eddie Jones a go. Um, and he gets the coaches um own country again. And um, I think Aussie's going to have a good world cup with him as coach. And um, I think they'll probably challenge a few teams if it if Eddie
3: Jones can get it right. I think you're right, Zade. I, I think um, I've, I think if Eddie Jones can get them playing for him, uh, I think there's a, there's a chance that uh, they will, uh, I think they'll be on the right track. I, I think they've got a, a real possibility of, of of going better than they have been, that's for sure, Zade. Hey, great to hear from you, mate. And uh, I, I actually uh, should have said before to Michael from Tutakaka, thanks very much for your... Your good wishes and your kind comments, Yako uh, from Auckland. Good morning to you, sir.
0: Hey, how you doing there, Smitty? Good to you. Yeah, good, good to man. you. back on the radio. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I was just giving, I was just giving a quick regards to this Eddie Jones appointment. Um, uh, I think, man, I think this actually works right into Eddie's Eddie's hands. I mean, obviously, us us at the Springboks, we had the exact same situation. Obviously, a bit longer with with Rushy when he came in, and I think. I think it's actually, it actually puts us, I mean, obviously it's unfortunate that Dave Rennie goes, but I think for for Eddie Jones to come in and he's got, you know, 10 months or whatever to build something, I think in a way it kind of suits him. He can't overcomplicate it. He gets back to to the basics, picks his best team. I think we'll obviously see, he'll obviously push, I suppose, to get a, to get a lot of access to a lot of Australians playing overseas, exactly like Rossi did, get them playing, coming back to play there. You know, allow interne- allow their players that are overseas to be eligible to play for the Aussie team because you'll need all the players that he can get, and I think he we might he might you know he might he might have the same impact that obviously Russia did with us with the Springboks.
3: I I look I, I tend to think that that you're right there, and I go back to the point about um, if you're in trouble and you've got a guy from your own country who you believe can do the job. I think they're going to start going back to that a little bit more, Jaco. Um, S- South Africa are, are a great case in point because uh, whatever happens to them in the interim periods you know at World Cup time they're going to be lethal and they have a host of them and um, you know they've had a history with their, their, uh, Nick Mallets there Jake White who I understand is health not too good so I hope uh, he's feeling better uh, and Rassie Erasmus, as you say uh, just a string of uh, successful coaches over the years uh, who have uh, true South Africans and have got you know this uh, this wonderful performance when it comes to the crunch. So, uh, hey mate Yako, don't be a stranger. Thank you very much for your call. I uh, enjoyed talking to you and uh, please call again anything uh, on any matter at all and uh, particularly uh, when the Springboks are around. Love to hear from you mate. Thank you. 9.47 here on SENZ.
1: Your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field.
2: Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Yeah, it's a few texts uh, coming in, particularly uh, on the Dave Rennie uh, subject. Not only did Foley help uh, Rennie's uh, fate, but also Wayne Barnes, single-handed, gave uh, France the win over Aussie at Stade de France with uh, the worst refing performance in modern history. Then got fluffed a week later by the refs against Ireland. Dave has been shafted. Uh, Also, Jason has come in, and uh, that was from Matt, and uh, Jason has come in and said, Smithy, I think the one thing that should frighten the All Blacks is that the All Blacks have never beaten an Eddie Jones coach team in a World Cup game. Cheers, Jason. It's a little bit sobering, isn't it? Uh, heading into the World Cup at the end of the year. Um, and some uh, some matches uh, before that, of course. the uh, Rugby season not too far away. Cannot wait for it. Um, and uh, looking forward to, to watching it with my mates this time around. It's 9.53 here on SENZ
1: agriculture covering your equipment parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field summer or winter he's
2: the voice of sport in Aotearoa this is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ
11: you got to know when to hold up, know when to fold Smithy's Smithies multi know when to walk away
0: and know when to run
7: bet live on your favourite sports download the TAB
10: app today
3: Right, uh, let's get into uh, the multi for today. It's the Dallas Cowboys for me to beat uh, Brady and the Bucks at a dollar sixty-six. That's uh, on this afternoon. Another wild card playoff game. Uh, in the NBA, I'll take Stephen Adams and the Grizzlies to beat the Phoenix Suns at a dollar twenty-one. Pretty short, but I'll throw in the Sydney Sixers to beat the Adelaide Strikers in the BBL as well. at dollar sixty-five. So, multi that together, three dollars thirty-one. Uh, some uh, good messages uh, coming in uh, on the Dave Rennie side of things and uh, to you Colin Locke uh, listening in from the UK uh, it's a really uh, good evening to you over there your time, thanks for listening, we'll be back shortly
12: Vodafone has one awesome summer of sport lined up for you
1: brand are experts in agriculture covering your equipment parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field from behind
2: the stumps to behind the mic nothing gets past smithy this is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ
3: yes and it's 10.03 here on SENZ and it's time to talk a little bit of cricket here on SENZ in the mornings and our next guest is uh, someone who needs very little introduction but I'll do it anyway Uh, because uh, during B.J. Watling's international career that spanned 13 years, he played 75 tests, 28 one-day internationals, 5 T20 internationals. But now he is applying his knowledge with the Wellington Firebirds as their white ball coach. The team are currently second on the Super Smash ladder, going pretty well in the Ford Trophy as well. So you could say he's doing an all right kind of job in his first year at the helm. One of New Zealand's most popular ever cricketers as well. Uh, joins me now, BJ Watling. BJ, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us, mate. Good
4: morning, Smitty. How are
3: you? Oh, pretty, pretty damn good actually. Uh, man, uh, you're Northern Districts through and through, uh, and now you're uh, a Wellington Firebird. Uh, how's the transition gone for you?
4: Uh, it's been really good, to be fair. Um, I've really enjoyed the the boys um, in Wellington. Um, I've got a great group of of young talent, and a bit of mixed with. Um, some very experienced black caps as well so um, I've thoroughly enjoyed my time I've got a good management group down there with Bruce Edgar leading it um, and I'm learning a lot each each day Yeah.
3: Well it's interesting too because you're having to do without you mentioned you have got your black caps but for long periods of time you haven't uh, Michael Bracewell, Finn Allen, uh, Devin Conway Tom Blundell so uh, you're dealing with uh, some relatively new talent
4: Yes, yeah, yeah, we've we've got some young fellas in there. Um, it's nice to have the likes of Adam Milne around the group as well, though. Um, he's obviously got a lot of experience, um, especially in white ball cricket. But we, we do have some young talent, um, and it's been exciting to, to, to watch them go about their business. And um, we've had a couple of very good wins and, and a couple of losses that, um, yeah, we certainly need to take some learnings from as well.
3: BJ, you've had a wealth of experience uh, in terms of playing. We've just outlined that, of course, over a long, long period of time. What is the, the, the BJ Watling doctrine on coaching cricket?
4: <laughs> uh, to be honest, I'm just trying to, trying to be myself. Um, I, I know this is, this is reasonably new to me, so I'm facing different challenges each day, um, and, and I'm just trying to learn um, as, as a coach um, and being on the other side. Seeing what the boundaries are um, in that regard, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm thoroughly loving it. I get to still go outside, fling a lot of balls, hit a few balls in the fielding, so I get the buzz back. Um, and it, it's something that I'm, I'm obviously definitely very passionate about. But at this stage, I'm literally just trying to be myself um, and, and just yeah, do as much as I can to to help the, the players around me.
3: Is this when, when you finished playing, um, you know, and and you were, yeah, you, know, you, you never sort of sought the media or you ever, never sort of uh, sought attention in any way? Is this something that you that you were planning going into coaching?
4: Um, I had been for a, a little while, yeah. Um, I sort of took as many opportunities as I could, um, throughout my playing years to to go to some courses to to help some kids out um, around the Waikato region when I had the chance and. Um, it was certainly something I was, I was looking at. Um, I didn't, didn't expect to jump in maybe as quick as what I did, but I did have a good 15 months off and, at home and um, got to chill out with the kids and family a bit more, but kind of back on the, the cricket wagon, the cricket tour at the moment.
3: Okay, let's uh, look at uh, some of the the, the talent that you have got available to you. Uh, You mentioned Adam Milne, um, and of course um, he's had a a lot of uh, white ball experience, especially for the the Black Caps, so his problem has been, uh, he's had a spate of injuries as well. So how do you see him now, and and perhaps uh, with the prospect of a a one-day World Cup around the corner, etc, T20 cricket all the time, where's Adam Milne at?
4: Um, well, he's, he's tracking pretty well at the moment. He, he's played three games a season. He's had a couple of little niggles that he's he's really trying to work on um, and get his body right, so he's able to play for, for a long period of time. So that, that's his main focus at the moment. Um, I think we saw his skill um, even the other day against Otago. We, we had a well below par total, and um, the likes of Melody came in there and bowled, I think he took one for twenty-five off his four overs, and his first over went for fifteen. So he he showed his experience um, and his skills for us throughout the season. Um, he's finished off two games at the start of the year as well, when when we were under the pump, um, and he's come good for us at the desk there, bowling some some good yorkers and putting them under the under pressure. So he's certainly someone that has the skill to play a lot of international cricket still. I I believe.
3: Okay, that's good news. Uh, how about Ben Sears?
4: Yes, Ben Sears is um, under a bit of an injury cloud at the moment that he's that he's struggled with, but i um, hoping to get him up and running fairly soon. Um, he actually scored fifty odd not out as a batter on Sunday, so he was he was pretty stoked with that. But there's, there's Sears is someone with a lot of talent as well. We know he can bowl fast. Um, and he's got the hunger to, to want to get better each time. So um, I think if he can get back on the park shortly um, and whenever he's ready, um, he'll certainly be welcome back um, in our environment or in our, in our squad.
3: Rutchen Ravindra is an interesting case. Here's a bloke that uh, was uh, probably a little bit prematurely thrown into the Black Caps. didn't do too badly there, uh, notched up 100 for you the other day against Otago, um, so still very much a developing talent uh, with internationals in mind you think?
4: Uh, I certainly hope so. Um, he's He's been fantastic um, for us this year. Uh, he scored two 200s in the Ford Trophy already. Um, played a crucial innings in, in a couple of the 2020 games as well and scored a tough first class 100 earlier this season at the Basin um, when the wickets were doing a, a little bit. So uh, yeah, I mean he's, he's certainly got the talent. His bowling is his bowling for us this year has been it's been top draw, To be fair, he's he's offered a lot as an all-round cricketer um, over the last two months that I've been involved with Ratch and he's certainly someone that I think will play a lot of international cricket in the future.
3: It's been a summer that's uh, been punctuated by a, a lot of rain around the joint, so it's been hard for a lot of continuity um, within the group. But you've got a, a good spate of games coming up now, weather permitting. You've got well, a T20 on Friday, then Monday um, a T20 against uh, the Canterbury Aces, and then that's uh, so the Canterbury Kings, and then a, a Ford Trophy game uh, the following Wednesday. So it sort of comes and fits and starts. How do, you, how do you pace yourself through? And the other thing is, how do you, uh, in terms of your white ball strategy, go from 20 to 50 overs?
4: Yeah, it's been, it's been a little bit tricky there. It was the first one that we had on the 10th, um, a 50-over game again, and then obviously followed same game in Dunedin, but in 2020. So, um, look, the boys are fit, they're strong. Um, I know Matt Long, our, our strength and conditioning coach, has, has planned for this period of time. We know it's busy. Um, the bowlers will certainly be looking after their bodies. That's the, the main priority. And I think if you're a batter, you're, you're really looking forward to just getting stuck in for a good period of time here. Um, and if you can get going and gain some momentum with the bat, um, I know that it's better. You can certainly put a lot of teams under pressure if you're, you're finding your form in this, this little period. So, um, yeah, simple little adjustments in terms of the the change in format. We're looking to, to obviously bat a bit longer in the in the 50-over stuff. You've got a, lot, a little bit more time, in the, and I guess the pressure um, is not quite there like it is in the in the 2020 format when we're looking to score a bit quicker and, and make sure the innings is progressing.
3: Uh, PJ, um, just uh, going away from uh, the Wellington side of things, um, well, the male side of it in particular, but uh, the Wellington Blaze uh, are an outstanding side, 70 T20 wins on the trot. Uh, I mean, they're, they're setting the benchmark for you blokes.
4: It's, they certainly are. Um, it's, a, it's a fairly impressive record, that. Um, and they've, they've been at the top of the game for a, for a long period of time. Um, they're, they're, they're led by... Um, Lance Dry there and, and, and Woody, who who obviously do a fantastic job with the um, with the girls there, and uh, they're a well organised unit, Smitty. And and I know that the boys are, are striving for for similar results, but um, yeah, it, it, 17 games in a row will be tough to catch.
3: Tim Southey, the new Black Caps Test captain, did you uh, see that coming? You know you know him well. You know Kane well. You've spent half your half your summers, half your life with him. Did you see that on, on the radar?
4: Um, I, I didn't see it on the radar. I think Tim's been a fantastic leader in the 2020 format and for a, for a long, long time, um, in terms of all the teams that he's played in for New Zealand. So, uh, I, I can understand the decision. Um, I think he'll, he'll do a great job as test, um, test captain, um, like he's been doing for the 2020s and, and, and i tell him as well. He's, he's uh, Huge part of the group and a huge part of that leadership group in the Black Caps. So, look, it's nice to have these options, isn't it? I think it's great that we have so many options to go to in terms of leadership around New Zealand cricket at the moment.
3: Performance in Pakistan, uh, okay. Admittedly, fairly flat wickets, but uh, we haven't won over there for something like 46 years in terms of a series. Um, this is this is a big result.
13: Yeah, yeah.
4: I mean, it was a pretty good last Test match there, um, coming down to 15 runs needed in one wicket. Um, it's it's quite exciting. Uh, I know they they'll be a little bit disappointed they weren't they weren't able to get over the line, but I think if you look at it, that series as a whole, we played some really good cricket and a lot of guys stepped up and played some some really good cricket. I thought Tom Blundell with the gloves was. I don't know if he made any mistakes at all. I don't know if he's made too many mistakes over the last year. So um he's he's doing a hell of a job there and, and with the bet as well. And um it's good to see Kane get a big double hundred too.
3: You know uh Brennan McCallum pretty well too, just by the bye. Uh what do you make of baseball?
4: Uh <laughs> ah, look, it's it's very entertaining. Um they, they're certainly playing some some entertaining cricket and some good cricket. Um, it's it's a, a good combination with him and Stokes. There, are, I think they've we've seen that relationship build, and uh, yeah, like two peas in a pod, isn't it? So they they're, they're looking like a very strong outfit. Um, and that's I mean that series coming up here, and, and New Zealand's going to be going to be one to watch. Um, we'll, we'll see how it goes and perhaps his home conditions, I guess, and out.
3: Just one last thing: Mad Cad or no Mad Cad? No Mad Cad. Good on you, mate. Good on you. Absolutely love you, B J. <laughs> Watling. You're one of the old, aunt one aunt of is, the old school. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same. Absolutely the same. I'm sorry. I know that, you know there's a line in the sand and you shouldn't cross it, but there's ways of going about it for me. Hey, B J. Absolutely loved uh, catching up with you, mate. Congratulations uh, on what you're achieving. Uh, and the coaching side of things. I wish you well for uh, what I think will be quite a long career. All the best, mate. Thank you.
4: Awesome. Cheers, mate. Appreciate it.
3: Cheers. Uh, BJ Watling there, one of our uh, very best cricketers uh, all-time, I think, uh, wicketkeeper batsman for New Zealand, without doubt. Um, And our number 111, uh, great uh, servant of the game, just went about his work as a tradesman day in, day out. Never saw headlines, never saw any sort of glory at at all. Uh, but on the field, um, and if you talk to his colleagues and you'll talk to they're the ones that know him the best, they will say, first pick, because that, that's the kind of bloke BJ Watling was, so uh, wish him well in his uh, coaching career. Anything like his playing career, it'll be top drawer and very,
1: very successful.
3: We've got a panel coming up for, uh, very shortly too. It's 10.16 here on SCNZ.
1: Brand are experts in agriculture covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter,
2: he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on
3: SENZ. Big
4: Talk Big Opinions, The Panel
7: talk, talk,
3: Great panel this morning. Uh, Sam Ackerman with us and uh, Guy Havelt. Uh, we've got a range of subjects to talk about, but we cannot not start without uh, rugby and the Eddie Jones Dave Rennie scenario. Uh, Guy Havelt, good morning to you. Caught uh, a few people by surprise. Did it catch you by surprise? Uh,
14: morning, Smithy. Morning, Sam. Uh, happy New Year to you both. Great to be on again. Uh, yes, it did massively uh, when that news came through. Uh, I'm a big prolific Twitter user, so that was where I saw it first, and uh, I was like everyone on that platform, uh, absolutely shell shocked. It was, it was out of left field. I mean, just last week, Dave Rennie was doing a, a Zoom press conference talking about um, the squad that he was, you know, using to to kind of prepare for for what was meant to be a big year, and uh, now now he's no longer the coach. Uh, I'm not so surprised about the Eddie Jones element of things. Um, I think that makes complete sense, particularly for a team like the Wallabies, a team that he's had success with in the past. But uh, certainly the Dave rennie element took, uh, took me by surprise. In terms of the timing, anyway, um, mm. if it had gone on a little bit longer, I mean, his results hadn't been good. So in that regard, you can understand it. But certainly the timing, uh, yeah, was particularly left field.
3: So, Guy, would he have kept his job, Dave Rennie, if uh, Eddie Jones hadn't been sacked by England?
14: That's a great question. Um, I, I, oh, that's, a, that's a tough one, I hadn't really thought of that myself um, in saying that his results hadn't been that good so maybe they had been um, looking around and waiting for the person that they needed to, um, to be able to take over that role and, and it just so happened that Eddie Jones was the guy I wonder if they've been knocking on the shoulder of, of Scott Robertson and trying to get him um, but yeah I think that. of that maybe Jones came along and they thought right now's our time
3: yeah, maybe they did. That's an interesting point actually. Uh, Sam Ackerman, uh, good morning to you. Happy New Year too, Sam. Uh, look, uh, you know, we know international sporting coaching and club coaching, franchise coaching is a very temporary thing, but uh, I, I just wonder about this one because uh, we're probably a, a little bit more passionate about it because it, it's, it's happened to a guy who's perceived in this country as being a bloody good bloke.
15: Yeah, it is. Good morning to you both, guys, and to everybody listening. It's I think 100% that Dave Rennie is the coach if Eddie Jones isn't fired. I don't, I don't have a shadow of a doubt, because if you're going to pull the trigger on the dude with a uh, with a four win from 16 last year, you don't wait through to now when they're making, as you're saying, putting, putting him forward for uh, media conferences, he's making his plans for this year. I, I don't think you wait that late unless you had, um, it, and I think that um, New Zealand rugby and New Zealand rugby fans should be celebrating this move in a funny way, because it means that it takes uh, Australia out of the reckoning to try to draw Scott Robertson uh, away from the country. So uh, if England have got their, uh, you know, in Borthwick locked in for a while, and if they've got Australia now, then the options for uh, for heading overseas to coach is, is becoming thin. The the, fi- the five-year contract is replacing the uh, the four-year cycle, where people are desperate to make sure they've got the right coach, or at least making sure they're not left without it, um, come the uh, end of the World Cup. So very intriguing uh, in that context and and I I feel for Dave Rennie Dave Rennie's way too good a coach and um, by all my dealings with him and everyone who knows him uh, too good a bloke to be kind of thrown under the uh, the bus uh, in this way I actually think Dave Rennie potentially I'd just just speculating here, might have brought this on himself a little bit when he said that uh, it's not going to happen having Eddie Jones come on in some kind of assistant or mm. overseeing role, because had had they been prepared to, you know, they wanted Eddie Jones as part of the setup, he could have come on, he's part of the Wallaroos um, structure, so the plan is for him, to, was, I, think, I believe, for him to oversee both and add his input to it so they could get him on a contract and lock him in and that way move him in to coach the World Cup afterwards should Rennie not be successful. So I think maybe Rennie's strong stance of it's not going to happen, he's not and in, 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 in the, uh, followed up by uh, Jones saying I'm no assistant coach mate, uh, I think that personally was what sparked this.
3: Well, I I think it's, um I'm not sure we've heard the end of it, I mean they've put a full stop on Dave Rennie but um, Mertz was on earlier this morning and um, Uh, he was just worried about the more about the process guy i think than than anything else and um you know 38 percent win rate is not a very good one when you look at international rugby they currently currently sit sixth i think in the world rankings and they don't look like improving from there so uh, if you take the rennie factor out there was perhaps scope for it anyway
13: yes
14: was, um and, and as you say, thirty eight percent isn't good enough. But I mean let's look at the coaches that they've had in, in the last say fifteen years or so or ten years even. Uh the likes of Robbie Dean's he's not a bad coach at all, is he? Look at look at his record with the Crusaders. Um, you know, Michael Checker, I don't think he's a bad coach. He was he was a pretty decent coach. And now someone like Dave Rennie and there have obviously been others uh thrown in there as well. But you know that's three pretty darn good coaches who haven't had amazing records with the Wallabies. What does that tell you? Well, to me, that tells you that there's a bigger problem than just the coach, uh, that the depth in Australian rugby, and I think we've all known this for a while, the depth in Australian rugby isn't that great at all. And so, um, you you know, I I think sometimes the coach is the guy who's just thrown out because they think, oh, the results aren't great, so it must be the coach. Well, I think in, in Australia, rugby Australia's case, uh, there are bigger problems than that, and that is largely the player talent pool that they've got is not as good as as a lot of other countries in in, in the rugby world.
3: Not sure if it was the biggest headline in Australia yesterday, Sam, because uh, shortly after that, uh, we heard the uh, the news that Nick Kyrgios has pulled out of the Australian Open with a knee injury the day before his opening match. Um, well, we know the impact that he has on any Tennis tournament, Nick Kyrgios, but particularly his own one, the Australian Open, when he had, I think, at full fitness, a viable chance for winning. How much is the tournament damaged in your mind?
15: Make no mistake, he was the draw card for Australia for the viewers, and I think internationally as well. Let's not forget that you know he, this is the the guy who's the the face of the. Um, the points um, documentary series it's just been released on Netflix he's supposed to be the guy helping draw in uh, the casual fan or, or those who don't usually follow tennis they might have watched that being heavily pushed down their throats on, on Netflix and gone oh I'll check this guy out the draw card's gone at home massive he, Nick Kyrgios whether you love him or hate him and of course mostly Australians now the way he's kind of matured into is less of a petulant and more of a, a cheeky bugger now than a, um, than a, a tanking strop throw um, psychopath, he's, he's, he's a bit more uh, into, the, into the McEnroe we enjoy watching you play even though we know you're a brat um, it's, he, he is a, a gel for that tournament and make no mistake, him out of it is absolutely massive and, and you take John McEnroe out of the, the coverage as well, they might as well start serving strawberries and cream at, and making players wear white, is losing so much of its personality in that regard. And it's great that Djokovic is back as far as tennis quality goes, and it'll be very intriguing to watch that storyline play, but the Australian Open just lost its single biggest storyline that was going to dominate world sport.
3: Mm, Interesting. Uh, Guy, as a a media man, is that how you see it?
14: Yeah, I love Nick Kyrgios, um, and I think he... Look, sometimes I watch them and I think, "What the hell are you doing?" But that is why you watch. And I've said this, I've said this so many times when it comes to the Curios debate. You watch sport because you don't, because you like the, the the unknown factor about what's about to happen. Um, you know, when it's a fixture of, of say, and I'm just plucking this out of thin air, but the All Blacks against say someone like Namibia, you know the results, so it's not as it's not as compelling. Um, when it comes Where to that curiosity you? you never know.
15: What's that? Used to. We used you never, to know the results. Yeah, who knows now? Well,
14: yeah, that is true. Um, when it comes to Nick Kyrgios, though, you never know what is going to happen next. And that is an enormous draw card as a sports viewer uh, about sitting in front of the television and going, something is going to happen in this Nick Kyrgios match. It's either going to be good or bad, but it's going to be something that I don't want to miss. Um, and and so not having him in the tournament I I think, like Sam, I think is a massive blow to the Australian Open and a tournament that's already lost a few big draw cards as well and I noticed this morning that there are questions swirling around whether Novak Djokovic will indeed um, play his first match today and how far through the tournament he will get with a hamstring injury. So, um, yeah, a few issues I think for the Australian Open and and certainly the loss of Kyrgios, uh, yeah, disappointing from my point of view.
3: Guy Havelt and Sam Ackerman, Ackerman are with us this morning, folks, uh, here on the panel. Uh, We shall see you uh, back uh, after a short break here uh, with the news with Aroha. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Guy Huffelt and Sam Ackerman with us this morning. And let's uh, talk some rugby league, shall we, Sam? Because this is an interesting one. The players now and the NRL have issued apparently a blanket ban with the NRL's own media team as a, a pay dispute drags on. So they will not talk to the NRL's own media outlets. What do you say about that?
15: Yeah, so the, the big backstory of this is this is the players' um, association is... Uh, missed and there's a bit very dirty on how things have been going with the NRL as far as announcing the, the salary cap for next year was done at the end of last year without it being kind of run through them. So they're dark on that. They're asking for uh, more uh, in this collective bargaining agreement. Uh, it's already up to the... Uh, into the billion uh, phase of what's going to be happening uh, with it. And so they're asking for more. NRL's not happy with them. So the players have decided after the meetings didn't go well on Friday to take a stance, and good on them. I mean, look, basically, it's getting getting attention to a topic that wouldn't otherwise be the case. Also, what the NRL, what are they going to do? Not cover the NRL, on their website for um, the period where the players aren't talking to them. They'll have to take official club stuff. They'll still have access. They'll still be able to do it, but they won't be getting... um, You know, NRL's website is a a great source of content for rugby league, and they have some very good um, journalists who write some great pieces on there. Uh, For a while now, they're going to be talking to the typewriter and working and feeling the cold shoulder that um the rest of us have experienced life as non-rights holders <laughs> know all about so uh it's a it's it's an interesting scenario and i I think it's actually a pretty good way of uh, bringing this back up to the table it may feel a little petulant but no worse than um and i think in a better light than uh the players uh throwing their toys over the silver lake situation to start with so it is yeah. It, this is, this is the way of professional negotiations now To make sure you drag it out into the public The best you can to get the uh, the mileage you want
3: Been a victim of that uh, Have you Guy Havelt? I know every now and then uh, Certain organisations or certain players Have had a, an individual beef with a writer Or a reporter from time to time So we'll, oh, we won't talk to him uh, He's not coming to a press conference uh, He's banned etc A blanket ban pretty new by New Zealand standards Is it not?
14: yeah I've never been banned fortunately um, but uh yeah it, i I've, this, I feel like this is semi well unprecedented anyway in, in some regards, but it, I didn't even know what sam was Sam was saying there around them going ahead with the players put with the salary cap and not even um you know not even taking it to the players' association. Well that to me is is an instant red flag, and, and good on the players for standing up to that um because I feel like in the professional environment, both sides should be working with each other. And when the NRL supposedly uh, almost goes behind the players' backs and, and just makes a salary cap without much of their input, then fair enough for the players are standing up to them. And, and uh, like Sam says, it'll be, uh, you know, uh, NRL.com will just have to live like the rest of us, uh, the, the non-rights holders, and uh, try and get content other ways, <laughs> which can sometimes be a challenge, but it's uh, part of the fun of the job as well.
3: Staying on the league, uh, Sammy, I, I just wonder what, what Manly are thinking about uh, Tommy Turbo here, Tom uh, Trebovich, uh, with his injury wo- woes. Where, where do you see this panning out?
15: Yeah, look, so he only got seven games under his belt in all last season, and and Manly are a a vastly different side uh, when he's on the field. You know, as you expected, you've got a class, a player of his class and skill. But uh, there, there has been some talk about will. Should Tommy Turbo have been told to you know take a hike and maybe it's worth putting money somewhere else? The short answer is no. Manly need, will persevere with him because he is a generational talent. But also, uh, for all the pol- political issues they have and the infighting and the sacking of star players, if they get rid of the homegrown local lad who everybody, not, not one person involved with the club, playing staff, fans, otherwise doesn't love... Tom Dvojevic, if they lose him, first of all, you'd probably lose Jake Dvojevic straight away as well. So it'd rip the heart out of that club. So he, he may be an expensive um, baggage to carry, but you can't, you can't let that baggage go because imagine that he comes right and goes somewhere else. You would regret that. Uh, wholeheartedly, and the person who makes that call will end up losing their job. So no, I, it is a really tough situation for Manly, uh, but look, he's he's gone to the States to do what Latrell Mitchell did and get this uh, this specialised treatment with, uh, I think it was Bill Knowles, and they're uh, working on his hammies and get himself in the uh, the right position to play. He reckons he's going to be right for round one, maybe potentially a few weeks later, but he is a guy that needs to stay on the field uh, for the sake of family and, you know, just fans in general because when he is on, dear Lord, he is on.
3: Right, let's uh, look at, at just a little bit of cricket um, and uh, the mancad side of things. It's drifting, well, I won't say it's drifting into the ga- game. It's becoming quite prevalent now. All of a sudden, it's a an appearance at the Women's Under-19 World Cup, Guy Hevelte, Uh Where do you stand on this? Uh, and when do you predict the first punch-up on the ground, male or female, is going to happen?
14: Yeah, I think we're probably close to that. To be honest, uh, I, I'm I'm a hundred percent for the mancad, and that's for the simple reason: um, a batter, it's it's easy, stay in your crease until the ball is bowled, and then you won't have these problems. I mean, it's it's really as simple as that. And and the the game is so far in the batter's favour these days that um, I just think any little thing that that sometimes puts it slightly back towards the bowler, um, for me, is a positive. Um, yeah, it's happening a bit more. Uh, but I just think that this will make that is more aware that all they simply have to do is stay in their crease until the ball is released and they won't get out that way. It really is as easy as that.
3: Just remind us of where you went to school.
14: <laughs> the great institution of Christ's College in Christchurch. Uh, and that's why you have me on, isn't it, Smithy? Because you want no, some, you want yeah. some uh, resemblance of, of, of intelligence on your show.
3: No, well, well I, w- I would have thought you were the essence of decorum and, um, you know, everything that's good about those sorts of things. So here we are. And uh, well, let's put this on record, folks. A Christ College old boy is 100 percent in favor of uh, the man So we can put that on record, can we?
14: I have tried it a couple of times, Smithy, in my my indoor cricket days. I I don't know if I ever tried it outdoor, but uh, in indoor cricket days, uh, that was about the only way that I could get anyone out. So uh, I was pretty prolific, but occasionally I'll man it inside the nets of the indoor arena. So maybe that's where it comes from.
3: (laughs) Well, I've got to say, um, long, long, long before your time, there was a fellow by the name of Newbegin, EJD Newbegin, went to uh, Christ College. uh, And when he came back to Hawke's Bay Cricket, he was infamous, for what he called, they called him Granny Newbegin it was the Granny not uh, Mancat and he was Christ College through and through uh, now I, I need to talk to you uh, about one of your articles uh, Sam Ackerman um, a feature on a young a teen prospect uh, by the name of Marley Igerson. tell us a wee bit about this interesting story
15: yeah, he's a, he's a real intriguing uh, young fella actually. He's uh, 15 years old uh, and he, him and his family just yesterday uh, flew out to, uh, to Brisbane to start a uh, new life over there. Uh, he has been um, sourced by the Brisbane Broncos Academy. The, the Dolphins were interested as well and uh, as were, you know, had some involvement with the Roosters along the ways as well and he's over there he, he, this kid is um he is he doesn't first of all he doesn't look 15 like a lot of these uh freakish talents he has so much skill he's, his size he's ripped the shreds for a 15 year old it's terrifying uh but he's a real humble lovely guy he's a national champion uh, in surf life saving and a multiple disciplines at the the oceans events at the junior levels there he made the first of dean for his school at mount college at um at just 15 years old and helped them they finally got a, a bay wide title once he um, joined up in there too, representing Zealand Māori and co-captaining teams at age groups there. He is, just, he is a real special talent. But what makes him special is he's not one of those kids who scores length of the field tries or is all flashy It so doesn't have like, some killer sidestep. He has got the engine that every rugby league team needs involved, and he has got a huge work ethic. Put it this way, he made his debut for the Broncos um, academy team uh, last year, and he topped the tackle count from the bench. So uh, he gets in there, he's got a great work ethic, can play in the halves, can play in the forwards. I reckon 13's his natural spot, Um, but he's definitely one to keep an eye on. A real humble young guy, and the the piece that we've put together is a uh, a really interesting look into how a, a guy who's... Bought, you know, born in New Zealand, taken over to Australia for a long part of his time Raised in Perth, hardly a league mecca uh, But he's come back and uh, been in Tauranga and, and found his roots and what that means to him going back So a real talented kid uh, And definitely one to keep an eye out for He's only 15, but Mali Iggerson I'm telling you, this, this, kid's, this kid's got everything you can hope for As well as being a, a very humble and well-raised young man
3: Slipped through the Warriors radar, did he?
15: Well, everyone's going to uh, go to that straight away, and listen. I, I don't know how how why he how high he was on the radar, I know he's played in front of some Warriors uh, development teams, but this does fit back into the can't keep them all um, category. And, and listen, I, I think it's fair to say as well as family were probably quite keen to get him into a um, into a system like at the Broncos, where they've I've got a, a pretty uh, a pretty strong reputation for turning juniors into superstars, so I wouldn't rule out Maui in one day being a warrior, but right now, uh, I think he's just thinking about getting a place where he can get high-level consistent footy on a regular basis in the school system and playing in the developments as well.
3: Uh, just finally, Guy Hervalt, um I've, just got, I've got, just got a text in from Paddy um, um, you may be able to help me out with this I I, I can't keep um, a hand around it But uh, I think it's addressed to you It says, Syrups, no surprises there
14: <laughs> Good on you, Paddy I, I love that you must be a good Christchurch <laughs> lad as well um, uh, you know, This bit of Christchurch banter is great And Smith, just before we go um, Not to blow smoke up your proverbial But um, congratulations on your 23 years at Sky, mate um, You've had some Unbelievable moments uh, and calls when it comes to uh, some of our most famous sporting moments. And um, yeah, it would be sad to see you go from, from uh, Sky, but uh, as a cricket fan, absolutely bloody delighted that we'll still be able to hear you all around the world, mate. So um, yeah, just yeah. wanted to say that hell of a 23 years. It's been, uh, it's been special to be on the other end of listening to what you've had to say. Guy
3: Havelte, uh, thank you very Twitter, much Ian. for those you're, sentiments. You were
15: trending on Twitter. Ian Smith, a, tri- <laughs> a Twitter trend this morning just about fell off my chair. <laughs>
3: <laughs> my wife banned me from that Sammy so I can't, uh, I, I've got no information about what happens on that on band so uh, hey guys uh, uh, Guy in particular and, and Sam thanks very much uh, for your, your kind wishes uh, Yeah, every no, every door that closes another one opens and uh, even at uh, this old age I'm so looking forward to it it's great and looking forward to chatting to you guys uh, next when the, the opportunity arises Guy felt Sam Ackerman have been our panel this morning, uh, we'll have another one tomorrow morning, thanks jo- uh, gents, have a great day
1: Brandt are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or
2: winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
3: And our show, of course, is uh, brought to you by Brandt. It's a wonderful uh, association we have with them. And if you want any John Deere equipment at all, uh, they are the people to go and see Brandt. Uh, you were John Deere people, right? We talked uh, during uh, the panel about uh, Nick Kyrgios pulling out of the Australian Open, and uh, both panelists agreed that it was going to have a major impact on the media coverage, on the interest, on the spectatorship, actually, of of the tournament with Kyrgios uh, not even actually serving a ball in the in the whole competition. So uh, there was a press conference, as you would expect, yesterday, and uh, this is what uh, he had to say. Unfortunately, we have some bad news. Nick has to pull out of the Australian Open.
12: Obviously, extremely disappointed. You know, I I know you guys will all be wondering, you know, what's going on. So my physio, Will, here has been with me throughout my career and he's been monitoring me pretty closely the last week and he's going to give you more of the details on on what's kind of going on. And obviously, I'm just exhausted from everything. And, you know, obviously pretty brutal. Um, One of the most important tournaments of my career. And so it hasn't been easy at all.
14: Uh, during the last week or so, Nick's experienced some, some discomfort in his knee, and routine MRI just to make sure everything was okay. There, there's a, a parameniscal cyst growing in his lateral meniscus, which is a result of a small tear in his lateral meniscus. It's not a significant injury in the sense that it's going to be career-threatening or anything like that. It was Even at that stage, it was still worth persevering to see if we could do anything to get him back on court. And to Nick's credit he did try everything to the point even last week he was having a, a procedure called a fenestration and drainage where they use a syringe to try and drain the, the cyst, which Nick has some pretty gruesome photos of. I'm sure he'll probably share them later
12: the last Grand Slam I played was the US Open and obviously extremely hard I was extremely hard on myself after um, that loss in the quarterfinals obviously thinking that I could win it from there on and and obviously just had Oz Open was on the back of my mind from that day forth as soon as I got off the court against Kachanov and I I always wanted to just do everything right and 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 train right tick every box and just be ready for the Oz Open and obviously this coming around is just bad timing Um, but that's life, you know. Injuries are part of the sport. Um, I guess I can draw some inspiration from someone like Thanasi who's had a bunch of injuries and, and has bounced back. So, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not doubting that I'll be back to my full strength and playing the tennis I was playing um, prior to this event. So, yeah, it's I'm devastated, obviously. It's like it's my home tournament. Um, I've had some great memories, here. obviously, last year, winning the title in doubles and playing the best tennis of my life, probably, and then going into one of... Going to into this event is one of the favourites. It's brutal.
3: Right. Uh, okay. So big news there. Uh, that was uh, Nick Kyrgios himself with all that medical jargon, which uh, I really didn't quite
6: understand. But I believe it. Well, he sh- he did share those photos on his Instagram, Smithy, and as someone who gets a little squeamish about medical procedures. I didn't need to see that. (laughs) I did not need to see what came out of your knee, Nick Kyrgios. But yeah, Uh, sad to see him not play in the Australian Open, that's for sure, because massive draw card, and you can only imagine what would have been if he was able to play through.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We're going to take a break uh, now because uh, we've got Louis Herman what to chat to before 11 o'clock
1: experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in
2: Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SNZ.
14: The
7: loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz Racing's biggest fan.
3: Well oh, I love that jingle for a number of reasons but specifically because Louis Herman Watts back on our show which is absolutely fantastic but tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock, even better news Louis, tell us all about it please. Yeah, Smithy
7: this is a real privilege, you remember last year and we had an absolute blast uh, Craig Baker, he is the racing manager out there at Auckland Thoroughbred Racing and, and this weekend the uh, Double Tree by Hilton, Karaka Million races at Pukekohe It is the night of nights for thoroughbred action and the field assembled for both these races is as classy as I can ever recall. So Craig will come in, he'll have the barriers which would have been drawn by New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing fresh off the printers. Um, He'll have them there, no one would have seen them. He'll announce them, we'll react, then we'll try and get some big players Uh, with key chances just for a quick chat we'll talk to New Zealand Bloodstock uh, about the pedigrees and then we'll try catch up with Stephen Hunt down the back of the hour what sort of markets we have seen move Clayto maybe we'll be here with you Smithy
3: and we cannot wait look I would just introduce you and I'll just sit back with my pen and take notes because um it's, not, it's also a very big punting night as well as we uh, all well know uh, Louis so and the barrier draw is crucial a lot of owners listening to this and trainers of course and I understand one senior jockey is going to be listening very closely in terms of his decision making Wow yeah you kind of get that
7: picture you're talking of course Trobriand or Tokyo Tycoon or is it Taliska I don't know mm. I don't know does he know does Owen Patrick know do punters know Well, they will tomorrow about 10 past 11.
3: (laughs) Can't wait. Outstanding, Louis. Thanks very much for that. We'll talk more about that uh, tomorrow morning before it happens. Louis um, and Clayto will be running the cutter basically from 11 onwards tomorrow. It should be fascinating. Live announcement of the barrier draw. Back very shortly. NFL. Huge time in NFL.
1: Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the
2: stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. With
13: the brain right around, Huntley reaches. Oh, that ball's out! That's live! Back the other
1: way, Sam Hubbard! Cincinnati kid! Hubbard's got a convoy! Chased by Andrews! At the 30! The 20! He! Will!
15: Score!
1: Logan Wilson went over the top to knock it out we'll have to see where it came out that's short that is short of it what
9: a play by Wilson and Sam Hubbard who grew up a Bengals fan championship in Ohio State Makes the massive play to take it the other way and
6: give the Bengals the lead. How much farther could you have run? (laughs) Not much (laughs) further. I was just worried about getting uh, tracked down, but caught a few good blocks and the rest is history. What's going through your mind during that that Sam Walker play?
10: (laughs) Run faster, Sam. Go (laughs) get there. Yes,
3: amazing scenes uh, yesterday. Uh, it was uh, been a big two or three days actually in the NFL playoffs, so it's only fitting that uh, it gets a big intro like that. Uh, what you just heard was Cincinnati Bengals ending the hopes of the Baltimore Ravens as they stopped uh, two yards out from the line. A fumble is forced, and Bengals defensive end Sam Hubbard picks the ball up to go 98 yards. It was quite incredible with the crowd on his back. Uh, they went on to win 24-17, did the Bengals. Uh, joining us now to help unpack everything that's happened ahead of today's final matchup of the Super Wildcard round is SEN's own NFL pundit, Jared Cronin. Jared, good morning to you. Nice to talk to you. Sorry I didn't get a chance to catch up there in person in Australia. Next time, maybe, mate. Thank you. Good morning.
16: A very good morning to you, mate. And I'll tell you what, uh, no worries at all, mate. We'll catch you next time. But I'll tell you what, there is a bunch to unpack for this week's action in the NFL. Oh, boy.
3: Uh, Is there what? Uh, I I don't quite know where to start, but we we might as well stay uh, with
16: um, Joe Burrow being sacked four times by the Ravens yesterday. Yeah, they've got a few issues still on the offensive line, the Bengals. Uh, Everyone remembers last year where they made it all the way to the Super Bowl and they were basically probably half a second's worth a block away from potentially stealing that game. But because they had terrible offensive line play, that's what held them back. They addressed that in the offseason. They brought in a whole bunch of new guys And paid a whole bunch of money to them. The only problem is, is that over the past three games, uh, they've actually had a guy get injured in each game. Uh, And that's actually continued in the Ravens game as well. So the left tackle Jonah Williams is now injured. So five of your offensive linemen is is now down to one starter uh, as they head into the rest of the playoffs. So that's going to be a problem, and I don't know how it's going to get any better for Joe, because... As you say, he, uh, he gets sacked a lot, and um, yeah, it's, it's an, an ongoing problem there in Cincinnati.
3: Well, his next assignment, of course, uh, is against uh, Buffalo, and Buffalo are playing with a lot of passion. Um, if you haven't heard, folks, uh, the story of uh, Damar and is one of the most amazing stories uh, in sport for quite some time. In fact, it rocked the sporting world. Uh, we were in the Fox Cricket commentary box when this story broke. And the footage of it, et cetera, is being played by everyone in amazement. This is the bloke who collapsed and basically died on the field of play. Um, has uh, recovered to a certain extent. And in fact, Jared, where are we? Where is he at at the moment?
16: He's actually doing really well. Uh, he's been discharged from hospital. Uh, he w- he was transferred from the Cincinnati Hospital originally back to his um, you know home base, uh, and then and. In- in the following times, uh, he's actually been discharged from there as well. So apparently he's doing well. Uh, during the uh, the Bills' final regular season home game, uh, they returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown. And apparently DeMar was jumping around in the hospital and cheering and yelling and that. Uh, And apparently that's, that's all okay. I I don't know about you. I was a little bit worried when I heard that. I was like, hey, hey, take Mm -hmm. it easy. But, uh, but no, he was, he was overjoyed and uh, apparently he's recovering really well. So, uh, so great news there for, for Demar Hamlin and, you know, for, as you say, the, uh, the rest of the sporting world, because that was something that really captured the imagination that brought us all together. in in one moment that, uh, that really transcended any kind of sport.
3: Do we say goodbye then to Lamar Jackson, who didn't travel with uh, Baltimore to Cincinnati? Is he done in Baltimore colours?
16: Oh, well, that's interesting. Very interesting story for the uh, for the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. That is, uh, I guess that's getting a little bit murkier by the moment because I only just realised this morning that he didn't travel uh, with the team to Cincinnati for the playoff game. I'm not sure exactly what the circumstances are around that, but you would expect your starting quarterback, your face of the franchise, uh, to be with the team and supporting them wholeheartedly. So uh, I'm not sure what that means in terms of where negotiations are at. I'm also not entirely sure where he is at physically with his knee because uh, he's had a an ongoing issue which just hasn't seemed to have come right. And over the years, he's really he's 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 done a lot. Of, he's a running quarterback, so he's done a lot of you know uh, hard graft and he's he gets hit a lot more so than your regular sort of quarterback. Um, so over time, that's starting to take a little bit of a toll on him physically. Um, and it's it's a little bit up in the air as to what happens. Now, Baltimore have said, they're saying that he's our guy, he's the face of our franchise. Everything that they've schemed on offense is largely around what he does. So even the backup quarterbacks that they have, they're basically in the similar sort of mold to Lamar Jackson. So I don't know in terms of if they're going to stray too far from that or indeed how bad this knee injury is if someone knows something that we don't. But uh, there's been chat, uh, Robert Griffin, uh, the third former running quarterback from the uh, the Redskins back in the days, uh, he he came out and said that he had played with a similar injury and it really didn't help his career at all. He, he wrecked his knee and uh, and things went downhill from there. So so there's a bit of encouragement for Lamar to just sit tight. Um, I don't know if that means sitting tight at home right, while your team is uh, is on the road playing a playoff game, but uh, yeah, interesting times indeed. I if I'm if I'm a betting man, I'd still stick with him staying in Baltimore next season.
3: Okay, interesting well with Jared uh, Cronin, uh, one of our, our SEN colleagues uh, an NFL pundit as well as uh, Jared and uh, we're talking about the uh, the playoffs that are going on at the moment and of course uh, we'll talk about the big one coming up today shortly but uh, we cannot uh, let the Chargers go unscathed here after giving up a twenty seven yes twenty seven nil lead over uh, against the Jaguars to go down thirty one thirty.
16: Yeah, it was an interesting game. This one, I'd uh, I'd been actually really looking forward to that game in particular, out of all of the wildcard games, because I thought, well, this could be indeed the wildest of all of them. Uh, and as the Chargers racked up a score of twenty-seven nil, I thought, well, that that really showed what I knew. But um, but you know, obviously the the Jaguars came back. They just got a touchdown right on half time, which you know just started to swing the momentum a little bit. And I think the Chargers were probably. In a little bit of cruise mode, which really you can't do, especially in the playoffs. So uh, that came back to bite them. They were on the road as well, so always hard to win a playoff game away from home. And of course, uh, Trevor Lawrence, the young quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who had looked completely out of sorts in the first half, had a couple of bad calls against him on uh, one or two of those intercepts, mind you. But uh, he, he was looking a little bit, um, you know, a little bit out of sorts in terms of what he was trying to do with the ball. As things, you know, he worked his way into the game. And things really progress from there. So uh, it was it was wonderful to see them come back. All they did was just do it bit by bit, really. They they got a touchdown before halftime, after halftime, all of a sudden it's 27-14, you get another touchdown and you you're not down by a heck of a lot. So uh, that's that's just how it goes in the NFL. Momentum is huge. If you can grab it, it doesn't matter, you know, seemingly it doesn't matter how much you're trailing by. If you can grab that momentum and just ram it home, you can you can really go a long way.
3: Okay, so uh, their next assignment for Trevor Lawrence and his Jaguars is uh, up against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, of course. Uh, They're the top seeds in the AFC.
16: Uh, Can they do it again against uh, Mahomes and co.? Well, look, never say never. Uh, The Chiefs are deservedly heavy favourites for it. Uh, I have said in the lead-up to the playoffs that I actually was starting to feel a few sort of Bengals uh, vibes in this Jaguars team, Bengals vibes as in from last year when they had their Super Bowl run. And that included going into Kansas City and, and beating the Chiefs as well. So uh, I wouldn't suggest that they're quite going to do that. Uh, I think Patrick Mahomes is is a wonderful player, and, and Andy Reid, a great head coach. They've just got a fantastic system there in Kansas City where they can just they can roll over teams. If, even if they're trailing by a bunch, they can come back from, uh, from a long way down as well. So uh, I would still heavily favour the Chiefs, uh, and rightly so. But hey, you know... Um, stranger things have happened and uh, and and likely will happen at some stage.
3: Well, it seems that every now and then um, and almost every season actually we we see a new quarterback uh, unfold, and Daniel Jones um, has uh, had a terrific, terrific time of it with uh, the New York Giants, and I just wonder if we're seeing uh, another one unfold and 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 Daniel Jones uh, upsetting the Minnesota Vikings yesterday.
16: Yeah, Daniel Jones is a very interesting case study because he came into the NFL as a high draft pick and for the first few years he was part of a bad team. He uh, he wasn't performing really, he showed glimpses of what he could do but wasn't consistently performing and there was a lot of chat around what would happen at the end of this season. Uh, and what his prospects were because the team hadn't picked up his fifth year option so uh, there was a lot of conjecture about what would happen if they would move on if they would get a new quarterback and I don't think a lot of people really expected the Giants to be as good as they have been uh, and to especially get into the playoffs and, and win a game so uh, Daniel Jones has done very well I was looking at his supporting cast he's got Saquon Barkley the running back he's a superstar uh, but also he uh, he's unearthed some some, I guess, lesser-known wide receivers. And he played such a wonderful game with these guys. He had Darius Slayton, um, Richie James, Isaiah Hodgins was a a new guy who's really only come on the scene in the past few weeks. No one had even really heard of this guy. He got a touchdown and and a few key catches throughout the game. But Daniel Jones, is uh, he's got everything that you... You really want a quarterback. He can he can sling it. He can throw it the long ball. He can uh, he can run. He's got a fantastic running game that he can. He, he's shifty. He, he's got a lot more speed than you'd actually realise. Um, but yeah, it's just a matter of all putting it all together. And I think a lot of credit needs to go to Brian Daybold, the head coach. Of the Giants, he's come across uh, formerly the offensive coordinator from the Bills, so he knows a bit about running quarterbacks. And I think Daniel Jones is actually just starting to really find his feet. If he can keep building on this and just keep building a you know a little bit more belief in himself and what he can do, uh, he can he you know the sky's the limit for him because as you say, he played really well yesterday and it was uh, it was it was a pretty good uh, performance all around.
3: Right, uh, the Giants uh, next up have uh, the Eagles, of course, who've had a vintage season. 14 and 3 that um, may just be a little bit of uh, a tough mountain to climb for them
16: well you'd think so but i actually feel as though despite being 14 and 3 the eagles are going a little bit under the radar somewhat because uh jalen hurts he's actually been hurt for a few weeks um he managed to come back and play the final regular season game uh but before that he was he was out for a good two three week span which they started to dip a little bit in performance so uh, interesting to see how he is going, how he's tracking. He's had a shoulder issue on his throwing arm, which is, uh, you know, as a quarterback, not ideal. Um, so if he can deal with that, then, um, you know, then they can feel pretty confident about things. But, you know, it's the big unknown. Just one one bad tackle or bad hit or, or fall on it slightly the wrong way, then, then things can go sideways. So uh, I think the Giants, they, these are division foes. They play each other in the NFC East regularly. They've played twice this year. Um, and I, I feel as though that you know the, the Giants won't be overawed going into Philly to, to match up with the Eagles. Uh, having said that, the Eagles have, have been the benchmark in the NFL uh, this year, uh, led strongly by uh, the quarterback play of, of Jalen Hurts and the running game, as well as a pretty solid defense. So uh, if they can turn up and do what they do, uh, they should be fine. But you know um, you know the Giants they, they won't be overawed either.
3: Right, uh, the most dominant performance or the biggest uh, blowout score has been uh, that of the uh, San Francisco 49ers who, uh, up, well, they didn't upset, they just, uh, in the end, they ran all over the top of the Seattle Seahawks with a pretty dominant uh, last uh, part of the game. Um, so uh, where does that sit with uh, the 49ers uh, in, in terms of where do you think that they'll end up and who they might strike next?
16: Well, the 49ers, uh, as you say, they are red hot. They are on an the- on an 11-game winning streak at the moment. So they are the form team of the NFL. Uh, And I don't say that lightly. They went out, and as you say, they they, there was a little bit of a struggle in that first half against the Seahawks. People started to wonder if they may wobble, but uh, it's like the old Fast and Furious movies when they hit the NOS button on the car and it just zooms off. That's exactly what they did uh, in the second half against the Seahawks. And uh, I think they just really laid the claim down and just said, hey, we are actually the real deal here. So... I think uh, perhaps next week they'll be playing either the winner of uh, today's game, the the Bucks uh, or the Cowboys. Um, I would maybe say they'd potentially be playing against the Cowboys. And I I actually think even if they go into an an NFC Championship game, if they have to travel away, I still back their chances heavily. I still think they have a a really, really good team, a great setup. The defence is the number one defensive unit in the league, so... Uh, if they can just keep rolling on that, they've uh, they've got every bit that they need to to carry on. This young quarterback that they've got, Brock Purdy, is actually doing all right too.
3: McCaffrey's been good for them, Christian McCaffrey.
16: Oh, he's been sensational. He is he's a probably I would say close to one of the most valuable players in the league. The only problem with him is that he's just had durability issues for the last few few seasons. So he's now come into a team that really just plays to what he does. So they've got uh, obviously Christian McCaffrey, uh, who just watching him play, he, he doesn't always line up as a running back, as say uh, as such. He he'll he'll get put out in the slot, wide receiver, out wide, and they'll find ways to get him the ball in space. And physically, he can just absolutely rip a team apart. He's he's fantastic to watch. Uh, now, when you pair him up with a guy like Debo Samuel, who's also quite versatile in what he can do, he's a wide receiver who actually sometimes lines up at running back as well. So, if you've got a couple of guys like this on your offense, you just start moving them around and, and confusing the heck out of the defense. So, uh, yeah, Christian McCaffrey, if he can, if he can continue his form, if he can stay healthy, that's a huge, huge, um, you know, huge thing for him. He has so far the season he's gone well, but um, yeah, the 49ers, they played to his strengths, and uh, yeah, they could they could re- really much go all the way, I think, this year.
3: Which brings us to uh, this afternoon uh, and that of course is the last game of Super Wild Card Round and that is the Dallas Cowboys against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so we've got uh, quarterback Dak Prescott who's shown uh, some improvement uh, since coming back from injury against the man who over the last decade and a half, perhaps even getting closer to two now, has owned this time of the season And Tom Brady uh, You've just hinted at the fact you think it might be the Cowboys but that's the Brady factor
16: Absolutely, and it looms large. Uh, never forget that uh, they're playing at home as well, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. so that's a huge huge thing in their favor. And to be fair, looking at the teams on paper going through each unit, it is actually fairly even across the board in terms of the team's various strengths. So uh, as you say, a guy called Tom Brady at quarterback, he is he's pretty handy and uh, he knows exactly what he needs to do at this time of the year so uh, they'll be up for it i think the bucks they will uh, they'll be bringing their a game uh, the only problem on that side of things that they've uh, the glaring weakness that they have is that they're unable to keep an offensive line healthy they've got all sorts of problems with injuries on the line uh, and also on the defensive line side of things uh, they've got struggles with actually slowing down the run so They're going to be trying to nullify a couple of guys like Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, the running backs from the Cowboys. So those are probably the real couple of key issues to look at in this one. And really, those are probably the the key parts that give the edge to the Cowboys. But as you say, Tom Brady playing at home in the playoffs, never bet against him. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how this goes. I'm excited for it.
3: Jared Cronin, can you speculate now your
16: Super Bowl afternoon? Can you, uh, this far out, can you do that? Uh, yeah, my my Super Bowl afternoon would probably be uh, either a day off work or a sickie um, with a lot of hot dogs uh no I mm-hmm. I, I think in terms of uh, on the field I would go yeah. with uh, the <laughs> uh, I'd, I'd go with probably the top seed the Kansas City Chiefs from the AFC and I would have them going up against uh, probably the San Francisco 49ers
3: okay very interesting indeed mate uh, I, I want to thank you for your insight this morning and uh, making us even. More informed. I can't wait for this afternoon. I think it's going to be an absolute ripper of uh, of an encounter. That's uh, the Cowboys against the Bucks. Uh, Jared, thanks very much for your time, mate. And we'll catch up with you, I think, closer to the big day for sure. Awesome, mate. Uh, We need your we need your insight. Thank you. Cheers. Have a great day, Jared Cronin. There, uh, out of Australia uh, for SEN and for SENZ this morning too. Um, He is the NFL pundit over there. Uh, 11:21. here on SENZ. Uh, We'll take a short break, uh, come back, read some texts and build up to uh, a very important encounter of our own, actually. It's you against me. It'll be stump smithy around about 11.32. We shall uh, ask for calls for that uh, very shortly.
2: Winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah,
3: we just uh, heard from Sam Ackerman, uh, actually, about uh, this young young fellow, uh, Marley Igerson. Uh, who's chasing his NRL dream from the Brisbane Broncos. Well, there's a a rugby story emerging too. Uh, Carlos Spencer's son, Peyton. Now, I've seen this kid play. Played at fullback for Hamilton Boys High last uh, year. Absolutely fantastic rugby player. I think he's a very talented cricketer as well. Just a great all-round kid. Uh, He's signed uh, fresh out of Hamilton Boys High um, with, uh, it seems to be, the All Black Seven squad. That's uh, just a story I'm seeing the headline of, really. Uh, has taken up he uh, had an exceptional fullback uh, as a fullback and a cricketer in his own right yeah so uh clark uh, laidlaw said spencer had impressed coaches with his ability to learn the sevens format obviously really good stock coming from his dad carlos spencer he's a great athlete typical hamilton boys high so uh, there's a great story of uh, a young uh, player that uh, we'll get to know very very well and uh, the evidence of what he's shown so far uh, right, uh, let's get through uh, a few of the, the texts, uh, one from a fellow by the name of Izzy. Izzy, Izzy says I tore my meniscus only minor but lots of rehab, strengthening, uh, head for Nick, meaning Nick Kyrgios, so uh, a worse injury than perhaps uh, we would give it credit for, we sometimes think of Nick Kyrgios with a bit of bravado and a bit of a, a showman as such, but it seems to me uh, this is a great shame that he's out of uh, the Australian Open at the very peak of his career. Uh, with a great chance, I think, of going a long, long way in the tournament. It, it's not going to be. Anthony came in a lot earlier to say, hey, Smithy, is this year Eddie's best shot at the Blederslow Cup since there is no test at Eden Park? May well be. Certainly, uh, that's a, a loss, isn't it? Uh, that one, Anthony, it seems to be. Um, Australia uh, did have uh, once employ a foreign coach in terms of their cricket that was South African Mickey Arthur for his uh, senior men's team but didn't last long due to homework gate so uh, he didn't uh, get on with the players obviously as well as perhaps he should have uh, didn't New Zealand rugby employ a foreign coach for its men's sevens team yes we just mentioned him Scott Laidlaw uh, of course uh, Clark Laidlaw Scott, Scotsman Clark Laidlaw um, so yep we did uh, have one there um, uh, Chris I think England and Australia have shown they have big <coughs> Kahunas. Um, wish New Zealand had shown the same and changed coach with less than a year to go. Uh, that's uh, from Chris. Uh, that argument I don't think will ever die. Uh, the one about uh, Ian Foster keeping his job. Someone texted in a lot earlier too to say, um, Can you tell Dean that it's Foster, not Forster? I think you'll find that uh, Dean knows that. Absolutely, 100% knows that, but just does it to annoy everyone. Uh, which he does. <laughs> uh, so good on you. Uh, Clayton McMillan and Razor to the All Blacks and Rennie back to coach the Chiefs. Yahoo, says Sean. Uh, can we see that uh, coming? Uh, OK, does it get better for wicketkeeping than on the radio at one time? Smithy and the great Bradley John Watling uh, mentioning uh, Baz as well. Uh, that's uh, from Chris. Uh, also, there was a mention of Bruce Edgar, of course. Chris and Bruce Edgar was a test wicketkeeper for New Zealand at Lords, in fact. So there you go. Grew up as a wicketkeeper, a wicketkeeper batsman. So he was a keeper. His old man was uh, Arthur Redgill, was a keeper for Wellington. Uh, and then Bruce uh, followed in his footsteps. Uh, but then went on to specialise in the opening batting role. And weren't we the better for that? Uh, Somebody uh, from Sean how, how did the ARU uh, afford to sack him um, in terms of Rennie? Well, gosh, that's a good point. Um, I did hear that they were a little bit cash strapped Uh, television rights are uh, up for grabs again in Australia and boy they chuck the big bucks around Um, so um, obviously that would be a part of it but it would have been a lot of money a lot of money to pay him out Um, probably what for eight months seven eight nine months to the World Cup Um, maybe his contract was uh, due to come uh, at that point. Um, uh, also Ken coming in on a couple of things, Ken said uh, Smithy, Peyton Spencer is signed for Auckland yeah I, I had read that and the Blues uh, so last year great talent, absolute great talent so uh, keep a close eye on this kid um, and Ken has also come in and said uh, well, something I didn't, didn't realise and um, we were told yesterday about this time of Dave Rennie being sacked, well Ken's come in and said Smithy, Dave Rennie getting sacked via Zoom is disgraceful Um, and not even fronting the bloke in person to say it to him. So that's an interesting story, uh, if that is the case. Uh, And um, someone, any chance we might hear calling cricket on TVNZ? Would love to hear it. Hey, look, I I don't think so. I think uh, TVNZ, uh, when they take over the rights uh, from Spark, uh, will maintain the commentary team that they've got now, because, of course, you've got to realise that uh, TVNZ are in with spark anyway so it's effectively their current commentary team so they'll, they'll just stay with that I would imagine um and Patty sent in a text a lot earlier in the morning just worried about um, me and my background uh, uh Patty I'm neither of those things um to be perfectly honest that you mentioned um that is the way that uh, the company is going they've openly stated uh, that that is the direction they're taking and, and I'm happy with that that's just fine uh, I have no um grievance with them at all uh we're talking about Sky here Uh, They did say to me, look, uh, we'd we'd like um, you to stay on and help uh, and and, uh, maybe help some of the people coming through and uh, perhaps uh, also do some other commentary on on a freelance basis. But that's just not the direction I wanted to go, mate. Uh, It's as simple as that. I just did not want to go that way. I wanted to, um, at this stage, I wanted to shore up a few things and I certainly wanted to commentate a lot more cricket around the world, which I cannot do um, with Sky because they don't have uh, any... Cricket rights domestically, so that that was uh, one of my passions. Uh, it has always been one of my passions. So, I hope to be able to do that, uh, Paddy. So I hope that cleared that up. I'm neither of those two things that perhaps you might have suggested. We'll be back very shortly uh, with um, a stump smoothie. It's oh uh, eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Light up the lines, please. We'll have the news with araha and then we'll uh, play ball, as they say.
0: Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job.
6: Top class. i got to say, Smithy, I love uh, reading all these messages across Twitter, Instagram, and the people that text through on the Temper bedpost machine. Uh, Tempered Post text machine? Just how much they love hearing your commentary. I mean, we all do, mate. Uh, glad that you're still here with us on uh, But Of course, it's down to the business time of the show. It's time to play a little stumped. Okay, let's do it, eh? Let's
3: play the jingle and let's get stuck into it.
6: All right, well, $50 TAB bonus bet is up for grabs today. And first at the crease, uh, you got to start 2023 with this, man. He's just such a legend every time we get him on. Ed from Tolega Bay. Come in, mate.
13: Morning, guys. Morning, Smitty.
6: Ed. Good morning to you. Actually, I
13: was
3: talking talking about you, Ed, uh, with someone the other day. They said you're a real character. I put them straight, though. They said you're an interesting-sounding bloke. Uh, Ed from Tolica Bay, truck driver out of Auckland. So I put them straight on you, mate, but I said you're a genuine character and a very knowledgeable young man. Oh, those
13: are are nice words from you, mate. But they're getting hammered down there, bro. Um, The forestry and all the, oh, man, the rivers, the roads, everything. It's, oh, it's, it's sad.
3: It's been tough, actually. We got lucky in Hawke's Bay. We, we were told to batten down the hatches, and a lot of people did, but we didn't cop much at all if things, to be, uh, if, uh, if, if things were really honest. But to be perfectly uh, fair with you, uh, Ed, they have copped it big time up there, haven't they?
13: They have, man. Um, it's, 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 uh, you could cry. You could see all the wood washed up on the beaches, all the seafood that has been just brought in and just rotting mm. on the beaches. Oh, my God.
3: Oh, it's, it's, it's terrible Move, No, no right. good, mate let, let, Let's hope we can boost their morale With one of their locals winning something, eh? Yes
6: Let's go, mate Alright, mate You know how the game is played, Ed These are the topics for you today And they're absolute staples of stumped Cricket, golf and rugby Take your pick
13: Let's go, golf
6: Alright, oh. good luck Our Brian is uh, excited about that one alright Ed first question for you mate the New Zealand Open is due to start in March and our very own Jeff Wilson will be competing alongside former Black Caps captain Stephen Fleming as part of the Pro-Am on the main side of the tournament can you name the Kiwi Pro heading up the list of competitors I can
13: only think of Ryan Fox I'm sorry
6: one of the worst things
10: I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy. Well
3: Ed I hate to do this to you mate because you're a good bloke but I've got a sneaky feeling it was announced uh, late last year that it will be one and only Stephen Alka. That's a couple of chips down the
13: wicket. right oh, in the oh, slot and the it goes. <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah back to the pavilion for you mate. Sorry Ed Smithy knows his stuff when it comes to golf but next up in line we've got Lammy from Palmy North coming mate.
13: Uh, oh, hey guys.
3: Happy New Year, um, Lily. Hey, and to you too, Lamy. All the very best and uh, the contest today. How's Palmerston today, alright? Oh, it's nice
13: to find, mate. Just, yeah, it's really hot and time to put on the old sun uh, lotion, brother, so I can get again. <laughs> <laughs> good on
3: you mate enjoy your sense of humor right uh let me let me we're stuck unfortunately with you um and uh, um, it's and golf by the way oh, i not stuck with you as such, well, stuck with you're stuck with golf
13: mm. there you go might as, well, might as well go next scene, anyway so much. I'll give the game let' go next
6: day. <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll test you, mate. We'll see how your golf knowledge Let's is. Uh, okay, on, on February 15, Netflix are set to release a Drive to Survive style documentary series for golf fans around the world. What is the name of that documentary?
13: Oh, God. Um, I really don't know, so I'm just a Stephen McDonald Pro-Am tournament. <laughs> <laughs>
10: One of the worst things. I have ever seen done on a
6: cricket field. I would watch that, would you, Smithy? (laughs) I'd give him that, I've got to say.
3: Uh,
10: Look, I haven't heard of this. Should
3: I have? Should I have heard of this? Um, Teed off.
10: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
6: That's a very, very good guess if it was about... um, I, if it was a documentary about pissed off golfers It might be a little bit of that uh, No the answer I was looking for is Full swing Oh full swing Fair enough Okay, uh, But <laughs> if you haven't already seen it Check out the, the trailer for it Because it has definitely got me excited for it There is some massive massive names in it And uh, I mean What a year of golf it was to follow last year I tell you what I can't wait for more of it this year though Last question for you Lammy, $50 TAB bonus. We're up for grabs here. Among... (laughs) See how you go. Among the talent that are in full swing, it features two of the world's top three golfers. Can you name the golfing superstar missing from the cast of Golf Swing? Full swing.
13: Okay, I really don't know, so I'm just going to say John Ram.
10: One of the worst things I have ever seen
6: done on a cricket field. Smithy, we've covered golf so much on the show in the past year i do r- you yeah. think you might have this
3: well i i i i'm gonna i'm gonna have to say rory mcelroy
10: one of the worst things i have ever seen oh. done on a
6: cricket field i think the key thing there is it follows the pga cameron smith is the one that's missing
3: Oh, oh wow. for obvious reasons. Yeah, Cameron Smith, Sam Pinfold, as caddy as well has been on the show. Uh, what does, <laughs> oh, that mean? does that mean? Does that mean our, our resident golfing pro, Lammy, from Palmerston <laughs> North is a winner?
13: Yeah, boy. Well, I mean, after I I that. Need, now... I know everything about golf, brother. I know everything about
6: golf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mate, now You're you can go natural. ahead. Yeah. You're a
3: natural,
13: Lammy.
6: <laughs> go oh, ahead yeah. and pitch that documentary about Stephen Donald oh, uh, playing you. golf, will you?
13: No, yeah. Like, you know, you not just going to be the
6: Hawks this year, brother, so there you go.
3: Yep. Okay, and you'll win another golf quiz, too. <laughs> yeah, see you there, brother.
13: Big buddy. big
3: buddy. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> hey, stay on the, stay on the line, Lammy, and uh, Brian will get your details, mate. Absolute fun playing with you. Enjoy the 50 bucks. Turn it into 5,000. I wish you all the best, man. Good luck. Thank you very much, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, enjoyed talking to you. That was Lammy, the winner, this morning here on SCNZ. When we come back, uh, we shall perhaps uh, look at uh, a new addition to uh, the ranks in the Warriors. Very interesting one and news to me, Brian Rurity knows all about it. We'll talk to him about it too. It's 11.41. Positions
16: where they naturally just know how to move. They're not having to think about it. It's naturally just happening. How do I move? How do I put my weight in this direction? How do I get as heavy as I possibly can on my opponent? Uh, and if I've got the ball in my hand, how do I escape? How do I play the ball quicker? So it's just not defense, it's also attack as well. And the boys are learning fast. And that's what martial arts has taught me, how to problem solve, how to back yourself and, and that
10: confidence and um, that's what I'm showing the boys. So through the technique and through the training, that's how we can build together and ultimately win a premiership.
3: Well, that's interesting news, yes that's uh, Kaikata France and the other voice you heard of course was uh, head coach uh, Andrew Webster from the Warriors and Brian Rarere uh, is uh, all over this, Brian tell us a wee bit more about it.
11: Um- uh, firstly, I think it's another great sign from Webster. Um, since he's come on board, he's been making a lot of the right noises. I mean, we got the f- sort of the first interview with him as Warriors coach, and people were uh, we along with us we were very impressed with him. Um, I'm not going to go ahead and say it, or probably even wear the merch again this year. But um, if the players buy in and he can turn those noises into real results on the field, I think 2024 could be uh, uh, an amazing season for the team. Um, it's it's an area where the Warriors have struggled for a long time, that tackle ruck area. Uh, And we've had these world-class resources available for a long time. So to me, it makes sense. And the transferable skills from wrestling, grappling, judo, the mentality that Kai was talking about just then, um, that, that will all help us trend in the right direction. I don't know why other people, other coaches didn't sort of just Go over to CKB across the road there. Now, um, the, it's not new. Obviously, Melbourne Storm have done it before and have proven that it will win you premierships. Along with a little bit of creative accounting, so maybe he wants to find us one of those. You know, Webster mm. find us a creative an accountant. Oh, I won't be mad. Um, Kai Carter France also has his mate Alex Volkanovski, the featherweight champion of the UFC, who uh, is the wrestling coach for the Dragons, I believe. Uh, he's just come on the last couple of years, so he's got someone he can uh, touch, touch there. And then there's this huge thing at C. EKB called spider it's a bit of a mystery but basically it is uh, training to the point of fatigue and then starting your real training so you'll, you you learn to uh, master it basically and your mind can work differently and we all know that's where the Warriors get caught there was a saying in the NRL just wait another 10 minutes they'll they'll fall you know and it was true for the Warriors for season so another solid move by Webster he's got me excited
3: that's interesting, Brian, and, and, and I'm interested in the psychology of it because uh, it's proven to be successful, obviously, and that's one of the reasons he's also entertaining the idea, but I've also always um, just assumed that when you, you get into a ring with somebody, it's you against him or you against her, um, and, and I, just, I just wonder how that can be transformed over to a, a team environment as such.
11: Okay, so... What he what he'll be taking is like there'll be specifics that he'll be teaching. So first man in will go here. Second man in go here. This is where you grab. Third man in go here. This is where you grab. So he'll be taking what he does and applying it to the team structure, just like Alex would do over there, and the the Olympic wrestling coaches for Melbourne have been doing. Uh, So yeah, no, it's very transferable, and there's a lot of the momentum. So the smaller guys will have no problem now facing the bigger guys. They will be able to use the bigger guy's own momentum and strength against them. And I think uh, you know it's it's another area we're missing in size so it's another just just a masterful stroke by this guy who could be uh, he's saying all the right things he's just saying all the right things
3: I'm praying, you see me, I'm praying Brian I'm um, thanking you for your knowledge actually and your insight into that, that's absolutely outstanding mate, we're, I'd like to talk more to you about it but the fact of the matter is we've run out of time and we've got to catch up with Mark Watson just prior to midday as uh, we look at his afternoon show coming up and that's exactly what we'll do now